find it. We'll need a starship. A starship? There are no starships on Himbus 3. Perhaps I have a way to bring one here. But how? Have faith, my friend. There are more of us than you know. You're a Vulcan. <laughs> this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. And I am just getting started violating Cheap Zone Treaty here. Because the logic is my D. And since um, there's only one Klingon there, the chances of it being a glory hole are really low. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. The greater good. This is episode 420. 420. All right. All the jokes about the 420. Here you go. Take care. No one was thinking it but you. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, the, you're yeah, the heathen. I know. I know. That's fine. Episode 420. The way it was supposed to work, this is a little inside baseball, the way this was supposed to work, but episode 420 was actually supposed to be the episode that we did with uh, The World's End, which would have been, I think, kind of funny. But things didn't work out that way, so... Makes more sense. Here we go. So, episode 420, and tonight we're talking about Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. That's right. This is our month-long Star Trek... um, Marathon, and that's not the word I would use, but that's what we're going to say for now. And I'm so very excited because we've done a few Star Trek films in the in the series and on our show. We've done Into Darkness, uh, Wrath of Khan, and Undiscovered Country. I think, right? We've done Undiscovered Country. Yeah, yeah. We're, so this whole month is Star Trek. This whole month is Star Trek. Did I know? I knew this. You did know this. Well, it's also been two weeks since you were here in the last time we spoke. True. Yeah, hey everyone, I missed you. Yeah, we missed you too last week, but you know. Hashtag where November has gone before, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You can have that one. That one's for free. Yeah, no, we're going to have to start using that. You said that earlier, and I forgot to use it in the uh, thing to post tonight. So I am Captain Sean Allred, and joining me tonight is Andrew, keeps his booster rocket boots under his bed, Jimison. These boots are made for. Skywalking. Nice. Nice. You're welcome. I like You're that. Welcome. That's good. I would use that in the intro, but it's too close to the intro. So we're it is too close. Yeah, that's fine. We gotta we gotta spread, spread it out a little bit. And making their uh I always say triumphant, but making their almost reluctant return. No, they're making their uh excited return, their I don't know what I'm trying to say, their final frontier return. That's also terrible. I apologize, guys. Is Jesse when he shoots space trash, it always screams in pain. It's true, and every cat woman that I throw into a tub of water might suddenly be dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and an electrocute or, or well, something. Two of my notes just off, crossed <laughs> off already. <laughs> and <Yeah>. and Cameron, <laughs> wait a minute. There are no swords or sorcery in this movie. 
I'm flattered, Sean. 1,200 podcasters in Yosemite, and you picked me. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's because you were there. Both of you are <laughs> co-hosts of the Open Pike Night podcast. So, East. first of all, you guys have a freaking awesome podcast. You've had some really awesome guests. Please, Jesse, take a few moments to tell us about Open Pike and why I uh, forced you on to talk about Star Trek V. Well, Sean graciously is giving us space to explain that though Cameron already possesses a Star Trek podcast, which of course is Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation, Thank you, and Jesse. the producer from that show, John, could not be here with us tonight due to, I don't know, let's say space things. Uh, we We decided, you know, what if we got together and made a podcast about a TV show that's on now instead of like 30 years ago, which is how my other podcast, Sudden But Inevitable, also works. So we took the opportunity to make a Strange New Worlds podcast. And in an effort to stand out in the field of a thousand very good Star Trek podcasts, we thought, OK, we're going to need a a hook. We're going to need something that makes us different. And what makes us different is that we are a call-in show, thus the name Open Pike Night. We have a, a stage where we let other people join us and ask questions about the show and talk about how they feel about each episode. And as Sean alluded to, now that we're in our off-season, we're doing a series of interviews with the cast and creatives behind the show. So far, we've talked to Melissa Navia, who is the pilot, uh, Lieutenant Ortegas. We've spoken <clears throat> Excuse me. We've spoken with Matthew McFadgen, who played the Romulan commander in the final episode of the season. We spoke with Dan Janot, Sam Kirk, the Sam Kirk you never, Kirk. the Kirk you never knew you needed, but now can't live without. And I mean, <laughs> that's on top of a list of writers like Bill Wolkoff, Onitra Johnson, Akela Cooper, and we recently spoke with the showrunner Henry Alonzo Myers. That's not out yet, but it is going to be out soon. So. Yes, we have just been having so much fun with our new Star Trek podcast, Open Pike Night, and we have been warmly embraced by the Star Trek community. And I think that's why Sean invited us on. Either that, or it's because he knows that one of us is like a Star Trek apologist, and the other of us is very good at uh, being media literate. <laughs> uh, so, I, I Jesse, think... I, sorry, I have a real quick idea for the show. I th you know, your your guest there that you've had on this is fantastic, but I really think you could land Shatner. Just send a message that says free trip to space. Call this number. Mm. And he, he's all about that, apparently. Well, you don't think now, he's already done that. And like, we need something new. We need to do the next no, big he, thing. He, to, he wants to, to go him. again. He's here's he's the like thing. Weeping for it. I think he really does not ever want to go again at all. Uh, <laughs> when he was there and he got back, they were like, what did you think? And he was like. It was it was terrifying. Like to look into the void was just deeply unsettling. Yeah. And it's like yeah. that's probably how most normal people would feel, you know. I mean, but to your point, I think Shatner is probably not representative of most normal people. <laughs> that that I mean, that makes me wonder, like, it would be a great experiment to have someone direct a Star Trek movie, then send them into space to stare into the void and then have them direct another Star Trek movie and see what the difference is, <laughs> especially someone like Shatner. I'm sorry. Are you campaigning for them to let Shatner direct a movie now? A hundred percent. I want wow. a follow up to Final Frontier. OK, like the finalist frontier. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll still I'll never forget when. 
after the the 09 Trek came out, uh, the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards for Best Sci-Fi Movie went to that movie, and Chris Pine was supposed to accept the award, and Shatner went on stage to accept the award and literally said, thank you for my award for directing Star Trek V. Um, and then, That's impressive. Yeah, and then made the joke. He goes, no, I'm serious. No, but this is a fine film. You got, you know, I'm not in it, though. Why am I not in it? <laughs> like, like, well, because your character so, died, you know, like. It oh, was, we'll get into this. Before. We'll get into this, I'm sure. But uh, if Justin and Cameron don't know this, I am not a Trekkie by any means. Mm-hmm. What? Um, I'm not. And is this the first and only film he directed? Yes. Or did he do others? The only Star Trek film. Right. He, well, that's mostly what, I mean. what else he's done is documentaries, some TV stuff. I think maybe only one other movie. I was just looking at IMDb actually just before jumping on here, and there was like he does a lot of Star Trek documentaries. Didn't now so, this is I'm going basically on my memory at this point. I, I'm not. I mean, I'm on IMDb, but I haven't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. Didn't he okay, show so, run a TV show called Net Trek? Trek Wars. Trek. No. Uh, uh, Tech Wars, Tech yes, Wars? that's what you're thinking. And that was a book. Uh, Tech War was a book. It may have become a show, actually. It did become a show, it. and he did direct a number. Not all, not a lot, but a few episodes of yeah, it. Yeah, I I, but I thought yeah. he was like the showrunner of it. Like, not just the director, but like the creative. Well, he wrote the books. So I buy he that, probably, yeah. yeah he oh, probably okay. had showrunning credit. But he, I mean, so to explain, yeah, Tech, Tech Andrew, War, yeah. The the admiral in the beginning of the movie that is trying to get a hold of him via like scratchy video phone, that's yeah. like the other executive producer from the movie. So it's okay. like Shatner basically went, it feels to me <laughs> with zero real research, just like, you know, memory garbage. It feels to me like he just went to Star Trek, the machine and went, can I have one? And they went, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. So, I mean, I- so. So Andrew, have I mean, you I seen... think he, he said he wasn't going to return unless he got a direct one, right? There like, there's go. a whole story about like him and Nimoy kind of having some tension because Nimoy was getting to direct and he hadn't yet. Well, and after the success of number four, the voyage home, the one with the whales, you could see where you know Shatner might be considered in a prime position of leverage to go. Oh, who's your second choice to play Captain Kirk in yeah. Yeah. Star oh, yeah. Trek Five? Like, so that you know, I could see, I could see, I could understand it. I'm not saying it was the right thing to do, but I could understand it. Sure. So, Andrew, which of these have you seen? Now, I've seen all of them, but I am not a you know. I I think maybe five years ago, I sat down and just watched all. They were streaming on something, and I sat and watched from the beginning as far as the movies are concerned mm-hmm. all the way to to uh whatever the last one was Nemesis. but see yeah. that's that's the thing i haven't seen them enough to even know what i've seen them once basically that's so fair. Okay. my memory of of a lot of them are very vague the only one that really sticks with me is my favorite which is wrath of khan hmm. that's cool. that's the best cool. one yeah yeah that's fine so uh we're getting ready to do the uh the the read here for imdb and then we'll we'll get into five word reviews, but I feel like we're gonna have to have this conversation. And I I just I think we should brace the listener that this is gonna be a an episode of length. Let's just let's just go ahead and say <laughs> that. But all the episodes with me are Sean. <laughs> well, you're not wrong, Jesse. But not having Sam here does kind of uh, I think help a little bit with that. But 
I guess the, the question we're going to have to ask, is this the worst Trek film? And I don't want to answer that right this second. We're going to get there, though. I, I, I feel like that's a conversation that needs to be had because we were kind of bounced. It was, kind of, it was bounced around on Twitter you know, before we started recording and in the little sci-fi chat group that we're in. And basically, because someone was like, hey, is this worse than, which one is worse, The Rise of Skywalker or this movie? And Actually, what happened was I said, this movie is better than Rise of Skywalker. And somebody in the chat was like, oh, that's my content for today. Oh, but I digress. <laughs> no, I, did, I missed that part. All I saw was the post about them, them putting okay. that up there. Yeah, I missed the, uh, the own, which is I great. Because I was totally like, plagued. I was like, wow, that's oddly what we're doing tonight. We're talking about this movie. That's how weird, weird was that. So obviously I missed that context there. So we'll get into that. But before all that, we must follow the script in front of me that says, Andrew will now tell us what this movie is. Captain Kirk and his crew must deal with Mr. Spock's long-lost half-brother who hijacks the Enterprise for an obsessive search for God at the center of the galaxy. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that actually works pretty well. So good on you, whoever wrote that at IMDb, who's better than most of the people that do them. Yes, probably a Trekkie. Probably. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's probably a good point. <laughs> All right, five word reviews. Andrew, what you got? All right. Um, according to, and and this is not five words, just forewarning. According <laughs> according to Star Trek Five, God lives in Uranus. Um, this planet, when I saw it, I thought, that's Uranus. Uh, I don't know if it was, but I, it was in my mind when I saw, uh, whatever it was called, sh- sh- chakra something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I saw it and I was like, that's Uranus. So God lives in Uranus. Uh, and then number two, the greatest enterprise of all is not this one. Um, and I think that's like the catchphrase for this movie is, the greatest enterprise of all is adventure or some crap. Um, but I, to sort of answer your question, not having a great memory of all the others, I did not enjoy this movie. Um, as a matter of fact, you know how I say it's a good movie if I if it keeps my attention and I don't want to look at my phone and all that. It wasn't the fact that I was looking. I was literally falling asleep. Um <laughs> There were moments my wife was sitting beside me and she was poking me in the forehead <laughs> because she would see me start to nod off and she would poke me in the forehead and say, are you sleeping? Um, you're this... forcing us to watch this and you're going to sleep through it, asshole? Yeah. <laughs> I just did. This did not do it for me. Uh, and I think that there's some there's some bad acting in this. And I can see why Shatner only was allowed to direct one. Um and there's just some weird choices, and I'm sure we'll talk about all the random weirdness that happens throughout this movie, but it's just not good. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I I don't think there's going to be a lot of disagreement on that. I think where we're, we might get some disagreement on is the varying degrees of not good. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, for all I know, Jesse's going to come on here and say it's his second favorite Star Trek. I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh we'll we'll find out all right so yeah i don't you're, you're not uh, i will say this this i watched this uh not only last night but also about two and a half weeks ago uh, three weeks ago and that's because 
I, I was having, it was, it was right before I started my new job, and I was sick. I mean, I was like, it wasn't COVID, but I'm pretty sure I had the flu. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, I felt like death warmed over. And so my son comes into the bedroom and goes, hey, Dad, I know you're, you're not really feeling well, but do you want to, uh, you want to watch some, some Trek movies? I said, really? He goes, yeah, that, I know that'll probably make you feel better. And I said, sure. So he and I had already watched Star Trek II together. We, we skipped one. I'm, if I'm going to try to get a 10-year-old to watch Star Trek, the, first, the motion picture is not the way to start. Right. Um, so we watched the second one, and he liked it. So then we watched the third one together, and he goes, I actually really like that one, Dad. I thought that was kind of cool. I said, all right, well, that's neat. He goes, can we just go ahead and watch the fourth one? Yeah, sure. So we watched the fourth one. And he goes, wow, Dad, that was, that was cool because he really liked the, the whales and he also liked the cursing. He thought that was pretty funny because there's a lot of cursing. I had forgotten how much cursing is in that movie. Uh-huh. So, but Declan would say stuff like, Are you, can I say double dumbass? No, you're 10. You can't say stuff like that. <laughs> and then he said, hey, well, mom's not home because I think my wife had to go somewhere. He says, let's just go ahead and do the fifth one. I'm like, okay, here we go. And so we rolled straight. You asked for it. We rolled straight into five, and we watched it. And, again, a 10-year-old, he enjoyed it. He, he laughed at it. He thought it was fine. He had zero problems with it. And so watching it with a 10-year-old was actually a lot of fun because it kind of yeah. allowed me to watch it kind of for the, you know, through his eyes for the first time. And I'm like, you know what? There's a lot to this movie. That's actually kind of fun and charming that to a 10 year old, it's okay. Because there's, I see that. there's also, I mean, this is with, I think, arguably the funniest of the Trek. I mean, there's some jokes in four, right? Between the, do you like Italian? No, some yes, jokes. There, some four is jokes funnier than four, four is, is funnier than five. Four is yeah, a comedy. Yeah. You're right. It is a space yeah. comedy. It, it absolutely space. is. Well, it's an Earth comedy. It is an Earth comedy. Let me ask this question. It's an 80s comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask this question. Because as I was watching this one, I thought to myself, God, this is cartoony. Yeah. Okay, let me me rephrase. Is it comedy or is it cartoony? Let me rephrase. To Cameron's point and Jess's point, yeah, 4 is the funny one. It is funny because the jokes are funny. It's better written. This one, I think, is trying to be funny, but instead we get pratfalls and... yeah. There's some more physical comedy and stuff like that, but it still has some comedy. And for some reason, it, I don't know why, but I found myself laughing a lot more the second time, especially when I was pulling clips. I mean, I pulled, I don't know, two, nine clips for this movie. And wow. to me, the most of them are pretty funny. So maybe isolated, they'll be funnier than when they are in the movie. We'll find out. Uh, Jesse, why don't you go ahead and hit us with your five-word review? Was that your five-word review, Sean? No, I haven't given mine yet. <laughs> okay. That's a lot of words. So I have two, obviously, because I have listened to your show, and I know that's allowed. <laughs> and the first one, obviously, has been, I don't know if spoiled is the right word, but my first one is better than Rise of Skywalker, which I don't think is really like a hot take. I think that's one of the colder takes I've brought to your show. Um and but my my important all-encompassing actual five-word review for this movie is actually only four words and it's mcspurk versus non-connery because (laughs) as 
Star Trek fans will know they desperately wanted Sean Connery to play the role of Cybok in this movie. So much so that the planet Shakari is named after Sean Connery. And it's like a nod to, wouldn't it have been great if we had gotten him, which we didn't do. (laughs) So uh, callback to that joke in the most recent Lower Decks was, I think, Boimler goes to a moon called Shatinari 4 or something like that and runs into Sulu. Um, So yeah, uh, Mick Spurk, uh, of course, is the trio of McCoy, Spock, and Kirk. And right away i mean this movie is about these this thruple of of guys right like i mean mccoy is full-on dressed as a lesbian during the rock climbing (laughs) scene we've got capitan on capitan action and spock is just there mothering both of them just in case right so (laughs) it's a beautiful illustration of the friendship of these three characters which of course are the big three right these are the three characters that define the original series of Star Trek. So I think, again, to fall back on a Lower Decks thing, is this a great movie? No. But it is a Star Trek movie, and that means that it is worth doing, and I think that also means that it's worth watching. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the word thruple. I don't know why. I just like that <laughs> word. Good. It's fun to say. It is fun to say. I don't think it gets used enough. A thruple. I'm just going to start saying we are this this podcast are a thruple, Andrew. You and Sam and I. So can I make thrup cakes when we have our party? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. As long sounds as sounds like a throw up cake. Yeah, I know. <laughs> as long as uh, you eat them first, I'm fine with that. Yeah, they okay. sound awful. I don't know what they are, but I'm not it not appetizing. There's, there's chunks in mine. Oh. Yeah. It sounds like they would have chunks. That's they kind of my eat. point. Yeah. Oh my god. All right, Cameron, what you got? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, like Jesse, I've now been on long enough to know that I can break the rules and I am just getting started violating cheap zone treaty here. <laughs> All right. So my first one is um the most 80s trek ever. I'm going to stand by that. I'll, we can dive into that later. Even though um, one of them takes place in the 80s, I, which is I know, impressive. But like, I still think this one is more unironically I, just wallows in the pastiche of the 80s. I think I agree. Uh, but my second one, probably most real uh, thoughts are, this is great. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then to kind of more describe that is, this one is not five words. What does Trek need with a third act? Oh, nice. Not, not much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say something, but not the writers of this movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Basically, I, every time I watch it, and this time I did, I was kind of prepared for it, but I'm always like, oh, here comes the bad Trek. Here it comes. Let's get into it. And for a good hour of the movie, I'm like, what the heck are people talking about? This is a lot of fun. It's cheesy. It's 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 not as aware of itself as the other movies, and maybe not a great way, but like it feels like a fun 80s. It feels like an 80s uh, um, sword and sorcery movie in a lot of ways. You got parts of Mad Max and Star Wars and Conan in there and, and Total Perfect Recall. Man. Yeah, um, it's just it all swirled together. It's, it's a lot of fun. It is funny. There are moments that I am laughing out loud right here. Shatner, for any other faults he has, can direct a comedy scene. He knows the timing and just the 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 interplay between those three, the the trio that Jesse was talking about, is is fantastic. 
Um, and then, yeah, and then they enter the Great Barrier and it just starts falling apart from that point on. It's it's also very long for such a short movie. Yeah. Like you're you look at the runtime and you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, let's let's knock this out. Let's let's make notes on this for cheap seat reviews. And then you're like halfway through the movie. You're like, God, OK, I got to get a snack <laughs> and like text some people and pause this and come back to it. Like, I just need some time. Like, wow. OK, there's it's been an hour. OK, all right. Okay, it's the cinematic yeah, version. Of setting up your Axis and Allies game with all your friends, and it's nice. taking a long time, but the pieces are getting in place. You're getting your army moved across Europe just how you want it. The tanks are ready to blitz, and then your little sister runs in and then runs across the board, scattering everything, and it just ends suddenly. You have no, mu- you have no idea how much it warms my heart to hear you say Axis and Allies. I was hoping someone would appreciate the reference. Oh my god. Well, and speaking of badass names for things like the final frontier is a badass name like i'm I'm happy that that belongs to a trek movie but it does sort of lend you to like i wish the end of this was better like what is (laughs) like are you literally trying to tell me that the final frontier is the friends we made along the way because wow (laughs) that's all that's all (laughs) yeah yeah the final (laughs) frontier to me says the series is over. Like Enterprise is decommissioned. We're or mm. or done. Like you know, that's what the final frontier says to me. This so one to your point like, though, the next movie was the end of it. So right, and it didn't right. even have the whole cast. But you're very you're correct that it should have been like, oh, let's make a nice you know gestural arc toward the end of these of this story. Right. And they were like, nah. <laughs> So, while you guys have been pontificating, I realized a grievous, egregious, egregious error in my clips. There was one clip that I did not pull, so I had to queue up the movie. (laughs) So when it comes time for clips, because there was one that I I couldn't believe that I skipped. So I'm very excited for that. I thought you were going to say that you had accidentally pulled clips from Rocky Five instead. No. (laughs) Oh, okay. No, Sean went back to the beginning of the movie where Shatner went, I think people want to see Kirk's ass a little more, you know? I think I think we should start the movie with Kirk's ass. Yes. But not mine. Us stunt doubles. So clearly not his ass. <laughs> like, dude, you 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 free you're free soloing in that uh shape? Are you kidding me? I like, know. Yeah. That's Captain, the most sci-fi part of the movie. <laughs> Captain America. Captain America may have America's ass. But Captain Kirk has the galaxy's ass, and that, <laughs> that stunt person was doing serious work. Is yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the funny thing is, is, so I mentioned my son. He's watching this, going, "Wait, is he? He's doing this without a harness, or whatever?" Said, yeah, it's called a free climb. He goes, "No, people don't actually do that, do they?" And I said, <laughs> "Yeah." And he goes, "Really? I mean, th- this is a this is a kid that like the the top bunk is a little too high." You know, mm-hmm. so a, a mountain is nightmare fuel for my kid. So right. did you show him free solo afterwards? Yep. Right. We watched <laughs> it where he cut this. Uh, yeah. No, not Wait, that one. That's that's oh, that's one twenty seven. No, no. free. Who, yeah, we didn't watch free, free solo. Climbed that mountain. No. <laughs> what were you going <laughs> to yeah, say, Jesse? I just I thought it was I, I, I feel like I have to since you mentioned 10 year olds and Star Wars, I got to say, like. If this movie is the Star Wars of Star Trek, right, which it kind of feels like in a lot of ways, like it arguably does the Star Wars cantina better than Star Wars does in this movie. Um, And, you know, 
Star Wars in general, I like to remind people George Lucas says this is for 12 year olds is how it was designed, which is not a bad thing, yeah. right? Like you can't you can't criticize that movie like you're trying to watch, you know, Fellini or something, right? Like it's it's designed to be what it is. Um, so all of that having been said, did your son notice that the book of Boba Fett just totally ripped this movie's plot off for like the first hour? <laughs> like, well, he actually we're gonna put him in a desert. He's going to befriend the locals. There's going to be a whole thing with like uh, a revolution. <laughs> he actually we haven't he hasn't watched any of the, the TV stuff, the live action TV Mando. You know, in fact, it's a little violent, I guess it is a little violent. We He actually hasn't watched. Uh, he's only seen episodes one, two, four, five, and six. We've not, he's not seen the third one yet because it's PG 13. Uh, that's the, uh, the revenge of the Sith. And he mm-hmm. hasn't watched seven, eight, or nine because they're PG 13. Because they're bad. Oh. And Father doesn't want him to watch PG 13. I was going to say, you know, that's only a guidance. Yeah, right. all, I know it's yeah, only it's not a very good side. Now, to be fair, <laughs> you don't have to do. <laughs> she doesn't know this, but he and I watched Rogue One together. <laughs> about... That's probably the most adult one. I was going to say, yeah. you pick the one where literally everyone what? dies. You're like, here you go, son. Yeah. <laughs> this he is was Star Wars. And he was like, I think he was like seven at the time when he watched it for the first time. Wow. So, okay, uh, so did you explain to him in this movie that McCoy is blatantly racist and that's not okay? Like, you can't just call out people's differences and make fun of them for them if they can't control them like I like he does to Spock the entire movie. <laughs> well it's not just this movie. He does it all of the movies. So well right. Yeah. But uh but no I, we we didn't really get into any of that stuff. We just my son is just he was just really fascinated by the you know the whole the, you know anything in space he's excited for, right? Like in the spaceships and and it's like to him yeah the seat that TG has the wrong word, but the 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 um the effects are bad in this movie, right? This is clearly not, um, I got Skywalker sound. That's not right. It's clearly not Industrial Light and Magic, right? Because Industrial Light and Magic did the first four movies. Yeah, they were too expensive for this movie, so they had to go with someone else. Yeah, and which is a shame because you know what I'm saying, like, like. When you have the success of those first, I mean, you can say what you will. It's a successful franchise after four. Oh yeah. So the fact that when they when they when whoever producing it went to you know Paramount and said, "Hey, we need you know money to to go through Industrial Light and Magic," and they just said, "No, make Styrofoam Rocks." It's like, well, okay, like this is I'm saying like this is a loved beloved franchise. Come on, Paramount, like. I will point out that uh, The Wrath of Khan, arguably the most successful Star Trek film, was made on not a lot of money comparatively. Correct. If I'm not mistaken. But it was so. still Industrial Light and Magic doing awesome things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. It, I, yes, it takes place almost entirely on two bridges, like, you know, two, three sets, yeah. right? But, like, but you're you're not you're not wrong at all, and but that's the, totally fair. But the but space like, battles, the practical look, effects, yeah, the practical effects in this movie are not that bad. Sure, it's yeah. dumb to have blue unicorns in your Star Trek desert planet, sure. which has the dumbest named city ever on it. Like, but you know, it's it's okay because they did a good job of making the horses look believably blue and have a small enough horn, yeah. and you know, they really went down when he. Uh, Nerve pinched that horse. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's a great moment. You know where they got the extra blue for the horses was from 
Leonard Nimoy's drag queen eye eyeshadow. That, oh, that's <laughs> and it's and it's light compared to what he wore on TV. Yeah, like on TV, it's it's almost like kabuki theater makeup. Like it's very heavy. It's yeah. really really toned down in this movie. <laughs> so my my five word reviews are: uh, the odd number curse continues. Mm-hmm. Right. So Andrew, I think you might be aware. Any listeners here that are not Trek people, there's kind of a uh, a written rule, I guess, so to speak, that if it's an odd number, it's a bad movie. And yeah. I I don't and I don't fully adhere to that rule, but there's also there's a reason why it did exist because it's kind of true. And then my second one, I too did a second one, was a two-hour TOS episode. TOS is one word. So a two-hour TOS episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah. TOS for those non-tricky. Oh, sorry. The original series. Thank you. Those old scientists. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> those <laughs> awkward. No, that's an A. Those <laughs> angular. That's not a word either. I'm going to stop. Just, just, yep. I'm yeah. Stop. Obtuse. That's a good word. Those obtuse, obtuse sexies. How's that? I like that. There you go. I, I don't. We watched Shawshank Redemption like three nights ago, so I had the word obtuse stuck in my head. Mm. Yeah, I saw a lot of people on on Twitter saying that this one felt the most like uh, an old episode to them, mm-hmm. which I'm like, after watching, I was like, oh yeah, it certainly does. But it's a movie. There's a reason a movie needs to be bigger and mean more than just yeah. an episode. Yeah, I mean, you can't I, just get by on like one little twist. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of, I gotta, I just have to say, I feel like my problem with this movie, my biggest problem with this movie, as a as a Trekkie who tries to be ac- accepting and you know live the ideals of Star Trek whenever I can, um, it feels sort of like Shatner is punching down on religion in a way that's like. <clears throat> Why are you doing this? <laughs> like, did somebody try to convert you? And you're like, oh, oh that's it. I'm making a, a movie about how people who believe in God are crazy. Like, why is it so like they'll re- like the turn is his is his cyborg going. I got a vision from God. And it's like up until then, you're just like, wow, he's really nice and charismatic. And it's like like it just feels like a weird direction for a Star Trek movie to go. And then to sort of even abandon that at the end, like, oh, no, also, he's a great guy and he's going to make a selfless action here. Like, what is the actual message to Cameron's point, to the Internet's point, to like the point of this movie? It seems to be fine until at the end the movie goes and (laughs) (laughs) it sets up none of that. There's so many good setups. In the right. first hour, you're like, what is it? It's it's about Kirk not having fear. Is it about this friendship? Is it about dying alone? Which is a weird line. Why does Kirk the crew know that he'll die alone? Him? Like, like, this should be huge, huge yeah. drama here. But we're all just like, yeah. But well, I do kind I of think... disagree, Jesse. I don't feel like it's punching down. Like, I feel like it's very blatantly about like televangelism. It's, it's about false prophets. It's about people who use religion to get their means um right i I thought i don't know what what made it no i don't no i don't disagree with that at all i just feel like that is an easy swing for star trek to take like yeah and i feel like it's like a swing they've taken before so it feels star trekky 
Right. It doesn't feel not Star Trekky. It just to me it feels almost mean spirited. Like which I don't think most Star Trek movies do to me. My problem is that it introduces it and does some interesting things with it. And then, uh, and apparently a court like Paramount didn't like this and Roddenberry didn't like that. This was a, a Shatner idea. And so then it just gets dropped. Like right. every other in- setup that I just mentioned, it just gets dropped. Like there's the right. great moment where Shatner's like, because our friend Josh from a brick pit, like brought up like these great themes about, um, you know, cause Cybok is trying to make people forget their pain. He's trying to erase past trauma and pain and regret and all these things. And I think somewhere there's this message that like, no, we need this. This is part of us. That's part of who we are. We need to process it. We need to come to terms with it, but we can't just erase it. That's impossible. And it's not who we are. And so there's that great moment where Kirk is like, no, I need my pain. I must have my pain. And you're like, yes, yes. That's the last time that's ever mentioned. What does his pain have to do with the third act of the movie? What does Cybok learn about trauma or pain that that motivates his final turn and selfless act? Nothing, nothing. And I think that goes back to the whoever made the point of this is just a long and should have been episodes of the original series and not a movie. Because I think that there are so many things in there. Had this movie been an HBO series like Game of Thrones? Mm-hmm. And stretched out, it could have you could have explored a lot of those avenues that really probably would have been better than what we got. Mm-hmm. Well, Agreed. and you wouldn't you wouldn't have to set up like a seemingly all powerful badass who is also a one shot sort of bad guy. Like, <laughs> are we talking about Cybok or God? Yes. Like, <laughs> which like. Oh, okay. Like, very cool. Is he going to sacrifice himself? But then, like, this greater consciousness is going to overpower him and then have a corporeal body. And, like, oh, that's so. Di-. No, mm. that's not going to. Mm. It's. No, there's just a photon torpedo. And it's fine. <laughs> like, I mean, okay. To, to, to the movie's defense, maybe. I'm just Shatner's defense. I, I don't know all the details, but I know that, like, they were rewriting to try to appease everyone involved up until production. They were, they ran out of money for the end. I I'd be interested to see like what the original end was supposed to be. They ran out of effects. So they kind of had to shift things around. They re-edited the end because test audiences weren't liking it. They cut out like 20 minutes from Shatner's director's cut. I'd be interested to see that. Um, So yeah, I mean, there might've been, it feels like there should be a good movie in here. I think that's why people are upset with this movie. If it was just bad, you can forget it. But like you see the blueprints of what could be a really good Star Trek movie that just gets uh, shot out the, the, the airlock at the end. Well, yeah, yes. And to the, I'll make one more point and then I promise you guys I'll shut up. But Cam, you're totally right that the line where he goes, I've always known I'll die alone. is like, what? That, that's like, a where, screenwriter line. Someone says it where so does, you can pay it off later. Right. And, and, and where does it come from for the character? Because, oh, wait, you know what? It might come from a time crystal. He might have <laughs> he might have touched a time crystal. All right, guys, it's been really fun uh, then, talking with you. I'll uh, see you later. Cameron, uh, Greenshirt87, Twitter. Uh, check it out there. <laughs> it's been a good night. to Time Seat Reviews, where we talk nothing about time crystals. But and, in, <laughs> about nothing but time crystals. And the sad uh, part is that... You, not in the know, time crystals are a real thing that have been used in Star Trek uh, to, you know, very d- displace people's consciousnesses temporally. Sean, you're the host. It, you can cut off the time crystal talk whenever you want. Just <laughs> my go ahead. Point, cut them off. My, 
I'm, I'm, mute I'm done here, Cameron. My point being, it seems like Kirk is trying to say there's some mechanism by which I have seen my fate. And then what? That, A Star Trek that, then that doesn't happen. Fate? Right. But then that doesn't get paid off. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's, but it yeah, I love, well, it does off. get paid off. There actually is a payoff yeah. at the end when he says, I thought I was going to die. And in this one, Spock says the line, but you were never alone. That's the payoff. Right. That's, yeah. but that's false stakes. That's him going, I thought there were stakes. And Spock going, you are wrong. There were not. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I literally know like, because you're right. That's one of the few things from the beginning that gets set up that does get a payoff. Yeah. And when Spock says it, I had two reactions. I went, Oh, yeah, and I had a little bit of chills because Chuck's always been about friendship, and we do love these friends. So I did get chills from that. I was like, oh, what a great payoff. And then I went, I had completely forgotten about that line. Like, like they could have really milked that scene with, like, Kirk on the planet alone for the first time. For the first time, he said he doesn't fear anything before. Let's see fear. Let's see what Kirk looks like when he actually thinks he's going to die. We've never seen that before. Well, and what does he do, right? He curses at the Klingons because they shoot the thing. They shoot he God just in the face. He Kirk, yeah. And then he's like, come on, you Klingon bastards. <laughs> what are you waiting for? You know, like, he's he's not scared. He's not having fear. Yeah. He's going to. He's gonna go out cursing this this ship that's floating in front of him, and then when he has the you know then he has the line, and of course like you have to the movie does the thing, and and Andrew knows this. I hate it when movies, uh, act a certain way only for the audience, mm-hmm. right? You know, I I always use the example of of Hans in Frozen, right? Where Hans when he when he meets uh, Anna. He knows immediately, oh, I'm going to try to use her to get the crown. So when they have their little song and dance, and then he falls into the water, he has this look of, oh, love. No, he's the bad. It was a cheat. Yeah, Yeah. it's just you're cheating the audience because he would literally go, you know, like he would have the the evil laugh with the, you couldn't see because of the podcast. So like, thank you, Sean. Thank you. You've just eloquently described my problems with Frozen. Yeah, well, there's many problems with that movie, but the thank you. The um, so like in the movie when Kirk is beamed aboard the ship, the Klingons are like manhandling him through the compartment. They wouldn't <laughs> do that because they all are on the same side. They would escort <laughs> him. I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't buy. I buy that. Oh, I, I think I they. I think it's okay because all Klingons right now hate Kirk. Yeah. And they're doing this like reluctantly because they were ordered to. Yeah. They didn't but want to be doing this. I just I'm think it was just back. to make us think that he's gonna he was brought there so that they could kill him in person. Like that was the point of the of the shot. No, because they had already well, set up well, that the general was gonna do a favor. The audience was already in on it. Like now, that was almost we, one of the problems. There were no stakes when the Klingon right. ship showed up. Yeah. We knew he was okay. Had they not shown the part where which is an amazing line read, by the way, when Nimoy says, damn you, sir, you will try. Yeah. I'm going to say that to people in real life when I want them to get <laughs> off their ass. Yeah. Like, but I'm going to push back on you. I don't think that just because they revisited the line of dying alone, I don't think that means that they paid it off. I, w- I would argue that they didn't do that because we as the audience knew as soon as McCoy and, Spur- <laughs> McCoy and Spock are beamed <laughs> out of that shuttle, they're working on fixing this. Like, we're not like, oh, they're gone, and now Kirk's alone. What's he going to do now that he's alone? Well, we're like, okay, now there's a whole crew going to save him. Like, there's no, again, I don't well, mean to keep saying there are no movies. stakes. It's just like, but but the, my point is, I don't feel like they paid off that line just because they went back to it. I feel like it was a cheap think, attempt at paying it off. Yeah, okay. 
the the line was att- attempted to pay off, right? Like they're trying to have the payoff. Yes, you, you, I understand what you mean by. You can having... say it wasn't a good payoff, but it was technically a payoff. That's where I'm. That's what I say. That yes, yeah, yeah, it was a bad payoff. <laughs> because like there, because there are other moments in Trek, and we all know that Kirk is going to survive until the time that he yeah. doesn't. But like, we all know this. But there are other moments in Trek where you really feel like the stakes are legitimate, right? When they get mm-hmm. blindsided in Wrath of Khan. Those are some serious stakes. You can feel the tension there, and you know that crew are going to die. Even in Star Trek VI, Undiscovered Country, when they're on that planet walking in, you know, on the ice glacier in Greenland, I think is where they were, like, like you can kind of feel, again, they're kind of alone, right? It's, it's a person you don't know, and then Kirk and McCoy, like, you know the Enterprise is warping on their way there, but like, there, there feels like there are some stakes as well, but you're not wrong, Jesse. It, their friends are just right there. There's not like he's completely alone. So, right. well, it, while we're talking about stakes, I mean, you're right. There are no stakes. The only people who die in this movie die at the hands of our heroes, right? The first villain, uh, Vulcanmort, who sought the forbidden knowledge, he specifically says, "No, I didn't want this to happen. I don't want bloodshed." He is a straight hippie he is introduced as a vulcan who embraced his animalistic desires we never see that he's just a vulcan who smiles a lot yeah yeah and laughs um actually i have to ask uh does anybody want to make love with our hearts instead of logic later (laughs) well yes yeah okay all right sorry go ahead can't can't we do both though all right yeah i mean i i prefer one or the other yeah because the logic is my d (laughs) um and so yeah so there's that and then there's this great barrier that no one has returned from and they just fly right on through like it's right there's no issues there's no i mean i'm not saying i wanted the kessel run from solo but i wanted something uh the other villain in this movie the klingons the klingons oh my god the klingon music i mean this movie is worth it just for that well yeah we get what do they do we see them shoot a screaming satellite to your point. They <laughs> yeah. don't kill anybody. Where's the threat there? They get to God, the big evil God being who shoots some lightning out of his eyes and singes some uniforms. Like there are no stakes. Yeah. Like let's really kind of hammer in who this uh, uh, imposter God is, what the stakes are. If he happens to get a space shuttle and gets out of there, what is going to happen? Why was he imprisoned here eons ago? Jesse, you're right. No stakes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I thought that when I saw the ship go through the the Great Beyond Barrier Reef, whatever, and I, I thought there's nothing happening here. There should okay. be some. There should be something. Something. You know, yeah. The, Red alert. The ghost ships of, of something. The ones that didn't return before. Yeah. Well, I, so, I don't even mean that. There should be some damage to the ship. There should yeah. be some people getting hurt. I mean. I, I hear, and again, not a Trekkie, but I hear about red shirts. <laughs> Where are the red shirts? Where are these people that are just the throwaway characters that they need to get killed? Uh, that's what is missing they, here to me. They've all been killed. They they <laughs> <laughs> Remember at the start of the movie, they're like, we have less than a skeleton crew. It's like yeah, they, haven't, true, we have a they haven't replenished our guys yet. Um, so, okay, maybe I'm just a contrarian, you guys. But I feel like... <laughs> well, maybe. I, it's possible, you know. Um, I feel like the barrier is one of the things that I'm okay with because like, I, I get the, like the, the metaphor they're going for. And I think it actually works, right? Like for there to be so much myth surrounding this barrier, 
And it's like, well, maybe it's not actually a barrier. Maybe it just appears to be a barrier to sensors or to our eyes, right? The myth and the fear of the unknown having a physical representation is fine. But then once you get through that, I think to your point, Andrew, I think it was just the sun. I think it was probably like the first footage we ever had of the sun, but like colored blue. I don't think it was your actual anus. No, it uh, wasn't, but yeah. it felt like it. Well, I think there was the, the plasma arcage kind of made me feel like maybe it was a sun footage, but I'm 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 what they call a layman. So I'm not I don't even sure. I don't even know what Uranus looks like. Well, don't just but don't like share. I said later. Uranus yeah, we'll make like love that. with our don't hearts share. later. Don't worry. It's totally good. I, I will say, um, to... but I feel like that part was fine. It's just that there's no part of this movie. Once you get to the third act, there's no part of it that works completely. It's yeah, like yeah. everything almost works, right. but does it not. Almost. <laughs> like the, Kirk, Kirk's line, why does God need a starship? That's a great moment. It's a great line. Yeah. But what comes after that it just falls I mean, apart. Like, like, if you think of the great lines that, that William Shatner utters in wearing the Star Trek uniform, right? Like, you know, Scotty beam me up, con, and why does God need a starship? I mean, I'm saying like it's in the pantheon of. Doesn't of, he famously never say Scotty beam me up? He does like, say that. He says, "Yeah, beam me up, Scotty." Is the phrase that people think he says. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but you're, you're right. It's either it's either Enterprise, you know, beam me up or whatever. He, he's never anyway. But to, exactly the the misnomer of Scotty beam me up, con, and why does God need a starship? Like this is you know, in the Mount Rushmore of one-liners that William Shatner gets to say on, on the, in this show. And so, like, you're right. That moment is, is great. It's a really, really great moment because it's very Captain Kirk to say mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But back to the point about the barrier and Jesse's belief that it's, you know, more mythical or whatever, they've said in the movie, every probe that goes in there, every ship that goes in there, never comes back. So. Why? Right, like did they the, go? Because the guy being that guy have stolen one of those ships? Right, like no, if, he the, he just broke them. Like the, that was is that the problem? Is like they they went in with probes, and that's why he needs a starship and not a probe because those things all crashed or whatever. Like I don't He's know. Like you expect me to drive out of here in a Ford? Get out of my face! <laughs> yeah, I need a Cadillac. You know, I I got I got my my posse to take with me. I don't know. It's just it. You're not I mean, wrong. It it seemed, and again, this movie because I think Cameron, you mentioned the point, like. It's only an hour and 47, but God, it feels like two and a half. So I don't really yeah. want this movie to be longer, but it. I wouldn't it, mind it being longer if it was good. But yeah, it, it does feel the like there are being no set up or getting paid off. But I mean, it just it, to, to cross the barrier. Kirk just goes, OK, well, let's just go for it. You know, you know I mean, that's, it's just that's the beginning of like all this great tension that they've been building, just diffusing. And, that, yeah. and that's the thing. There's no rising, falling action. Like, And then he says the one line that Kirk would never say. All right, well, let's go by the book. What? No, he would say that because that's an amazing callback to was it either one motion picture or Wrath of Khan where he yeah, he's he reminded quotes, to go by the book. He goes by the book, but he breaks the rule. He still goes against the thing. No, no uncoded messages when you're when you're being mocked. And he's like, you lied? I exaggerated. Like, you get to have that whole interplay. Well, the but no was... uncoded messages was by the book. Like, it, I mean, he'll, that, yeah. it felt like something he would say because it was a callback to an earlier yeah. entry in the movie. And I did. I loved all the callbacks in the beginning to the, the previous trilogy that we just watched, two, yeah. three, and four, right? Like, oh, at the least the they're, like, paying immortal. attention to the continuity. Yeah, that, that was some good stuff I liked. All right. Here's one thing I do want to bring up because mm -hmm. we, haven't, we haven't yet. Um, in most spacefaring uh, movies and shows, 
the vehicle is a character, right? Mm-hmm. Serenity yeah. is a character in the movie and the show, right? Mm-hmm. The Orville. Just like the Orville, the ship is a is a is yeah. a character, as the is what? the is the Millennium Falcon. Don't make as me. a Star Trek and the Enterprise. The Enterprise is a character. And I hate that it's a punchline in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So much so that not only does the ship break, and I understand that I guess the ship breaking is what causes some stakes, right? Because like, oh, I can only beam two of you out because yeah. of the thing. Yeah. And then the, the Klingons show up and break the crane. So, but like, I, I guess my biggest issue with is one is a pun, it's a punchline to the point that even like the recorder that he's doing his captain's log breaks. Why would that be broken? Why would that They're suck? at Earth. Just get new supplies. Like, that's not right. part of the ship. I know. it's That's so dumb. But it's, again, it's, it's the buttons are popping off like a freaking, like, rejected R2 unit. What yeah, is happening? It was so, it's so dumb. But, like, I, I guess, I don't know. It just, that, that has always annoyed me. Like, can, would the Federation really build a ship so badly and put on it its flagship crew? The crew that... <laughs> We, you just saved our planet from annihilation. Now here's this piece of shit. Well, I, I think that it's supposed to be representative of like the old dog that you rely on, <laughs> even though they're falling apart, like Shatner clearly yeah. is. Mm. And, you know, it's like their last legs. And it's supposed to be like, it's probably an attempt to give the movie... <clears throat> To the only point any of us have made, it's probably an attempt to give this movie some stakes, right? Like, yeah. well, it's not like the capital E Enterprise. It's like the Enterprise at like 40% on a Thursday. Like, it's it's not great. Yeah. Um, but Next it's... Tuesday, right? Tuesday. Yeah, it, and, and it, but it's like, it is an old ship, you know? And Kirk is an old captain. It's not an it's old ship. Let, it's a yeah, brand new the ship. There. It's brand new. Yeah, it's brand new because the last one just got blown up two movies ago, right? Yeah. So I have some questions about this. One, if they're going to build a brand new ship from scratch, we saw the last one. It got obliterated. They're not reusing pieces from it. Would it still be the 1701A? Would this not have been a great opportunity to make it the B? We've already established, because TNG's been out for a couple of years, that there is a ascending letter uh, assignment to these ships. Why is it the A still? <laughs> Well, because at this point they didn't have an A, then it would have gone from, in you know. Oh, did it not have the A before? No, the first one didn't have an A. That's why the camera oh. in the in the fourth movie pans NCC one seven zero one and then stops so, on the oh. A for a full okay. second. Okay. Yeah. So what's okay. happened? What's happening here, Cameron, is that you're referring to the Constitution refit, which is how the A looks, but also how the seventeen oh one looks in the movie. It looks upgraded from the show TOS, but they didn't add the A to Sean's point until recently. Because it was still the same ship. They were just upgrading. Correct. Right. So, but my point being like um, the Enterprise, like as an institution is an old ship in the way that Kirk is an old captain. Like I I my guess is that it has to be some kind of, you know, it has to be some attempt to show that like bureaucracy will use a half-assed thing (laughs) To Jesse, try and fix a problem, you're reading right? too much into it. You had already nailed it. The only reason they do it, and I feel like they do this, this isn't the only time that they've sent out the Enterprise when it's not ready, it's to add stakes. It's because right. if it's up to its full capacity, then they don't need to use the shuttle for crazy shuttle antics. They don't need to, like, it be, things become yeah. too easy. It has to be falling apart to cause problems. That 
So 100 percent there. It's the same uh, reason that Scott says, I know this ship like the back of my hand. And uh, then like full on slapstick walks into <laughs> yeah, an overhead beam. It's a Not one of the best jokes. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. But just while we're talking about it, I did one of my memories of watching this as a child, even as a child, I remember the line when Kirk sits in his chair and goes, I miss my old chair. <laughs> Like it hit me hard for some reason. I remember as a kid being a little confused at first because I don't think I quite followed the continuity that this was a brand new ship. I was like, why Why did they change this chair? But I remember when I realized it, and I don't know like if a parent told me or if I just rewatched him again, I was like, that hit me more that this was a new ship than even watching it explode in three. Like, oh shit, the captain's chair is different. Like this yeah. is a new era. Like the ship we've known for decades is gone. It, it's funny- even- Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say real quick. I didn't even notice that the ship was different because I had forgotten from yeah. four that the, that there is a new ship, or for three, um, until Spock's talking about the brig, mm. and I was like, "Why would they have a new brig?" And then I was like, "Oh, wait a minute. New chair, new brig. This is a new ship. It's a different ship." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I, maybe to Jesse's point, I'll, I'll I'm gonna, I'll give Jesse a little bit of a uh, whatever. Let's yeah. just say, for example, maybe this was a piece of shit ship. Maybe this was a Constitution class, Constellation class, excuse me. Constitution, right? Con- it's it's Constel- Constitution. Oh, it is Constitution. Okay, thank you. For some reason, that You're said welcome. that, and it said, wait a minute, why would they care about a Constitution? But yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> the, 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 maybe they already had that, right? Maybe that, that ship had also already been in service for 20 years, and they were about to retire it, and they go, oh, Kirk just blew up his enterprise well we just got this one over here let's slap some paint on it and call it the a and there you go i mean like i know i'm i'm adding backstory to a to a movie that has none essentially but no i mean this is the kind of thing that star trek writers do in the future though right they go so here's a thing to explain that what happened was this so it's not completely outside the realm of possibility I think I have one more line that I have to talk about, and then I have one question for you guys. So it was weird to me that there's a line where Kirk says, I fear nothing. Like, that Mm -hmm. seems like something a scaredy cat would say to me. Um, (laughs) But do you guys think God actually lives on Shakira? I mean, that's pretty, like, that seems somewhat likely, right? I was God, I would. That's that's that there or a Beyonce Gonia, I would think. Yeah, that's where I would live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Jay Lowville. I didn't think anything better than what you said. It's okay. Yes, thank you. Lady Gagama 4. Ooh, no, ooh, no, stop. No, no, cut that. No, no. no. Okay, so I teased Wait, the, I teased one, the question. One more note just on, on the ship itself. Well, I, thought I don't know if one this is part of the re- refit or not. <laughs> but did you guys notice that in the 23rd century, apparently it requires two dudes to carry a heavy set of stairs to the shuttle every time it lands? Yeah, I thought that was weird. That. Oh, okay. so that's actually um, just one of the benefits of socialism. Everybody has a job in, <laughs> yeah. in the Star Trek future. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. I, I, I noticed that this time while watching it. I thought, really? We couldn't? Oh, okay, because they don't, they don't have the, the budget to have stairs come out of the bottom. Of I had the to rewind it and show my wife. I was like, just remember, this is the 23rd century. Yeah. They we have can... a shuttle that just flew from Earth to this flying spaceship. Yes, but some guys have to come out with some stairs, some heavy yeah. ass stairs. Uh, apparently, they had enough skeleton crew to have those guys have a job, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, they were. Oh, they're enough. they're not certified to go to space. They they carry <laughs> stairs for a living, yeah. Sean. Like, 
No, those guys cannot go to space. Yeah. It's like the baggage handlers at the airport. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You can work near the plane. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Don't get on it. Well, they're still on the Enterprise. They're still doing something. Um, do you think after the shuttle crash, they're like, should, should we go out there? What do we do? We stay here. Not true. Like we're just problem. We're just bring the stairs. Like should we take the stairs? What do we do? Do they just bring the stairs back out? (laughs) You know McCoy would just like rip into whatever race those stair guys are, right? Like (laughs) you know that was in the the twenty minute longer Shatner cut. These guys just walk out. Oh no, you don't. We're good. Okay, we're we're twenty more minutes of stair antics. So. I do, as the uh, over-specific, pedantic Trekkie from Open Pike Night, I feel like I should probably bring this up. Uh, Anyone who has seen all of the original series or any important amount of Strange New Worlds um, will note that uh, Kirk is actually throwing a ton of shade at his brother Sam at the end of this movie, where he goes, yeah, I had a brother once and he died, but he came back. And it's like, oh, you're talking about Spock, not your actual brother. Like that's pretty, yeah. Like you just threw shade at your brother, like to Spock's face and he served with your brother. So that's incredibly rude, but okay. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. I'm a bad strange new worlds watcher. Mm. (laughs) Can I ask some uh, plot hole questions? Yeah. Okay. How did Cybot get to a planet with no starships wanting a starship? Like, shouldn't he have he had a starship that he got to that planet with? Well, his home planet was destroyed, and his parents put him in a uh, in a little mm-hmm. thing. An egg? Sent him off mm-hmm. an egg type thing. Yeah, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Sent him off. And, and he flew no, past the Phantom no, Zone. That's, that's the and, 09 timeline. That's and not he, this timeline. He ended up actually being raised by uh, Ron Paul Kent. Yeah. Farmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Farmers. Mm. Oh, okay. So that makes a lot better sense because at the end, when the god alien says Martha and Cybok just exactly. like Loses goes it. insane. Yeah. Why yeah. did you say okay, that yeah. name? Yeah. This yeah. makes that makes so much okay. better sense now. Ooh. Thank you for explaining that, Andrew. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. Um, so however he got there, I mean I feel like Cybok should be able to get a starship pretty easy, but Well, well maybe and, well, I think, okay, not to be just continuously doing this, but I hope that we find that out in Strange New Worlds, right? Because, spoiler alert, we know Cybok is going to be in yeah. season two of Strange New Worlds. So I'm hoping that we figure out some way that he ends up there without having a ship. My guess would be that he pissed somebody off and they were like, okay, you know what? I'm going to maroon you here. It was probably a Starfleet captain. I mean, knowing what we know about Starfleet captains and marooning people, it, it's probably they were like, you know what? Let's just put you here. It's a peace planet. It'll be great. You love peace. You're a hippie. <laughs> okay, maybe. To that point, though, that's not what Cybok uh, suggests in the movie. He says he came here specifically for a reason, because it had these three people, a Romulan, a Klingon, and a human from the Federation. He needed those three. Why? He only, only needed one starship. Well, only- because... I mean, he's increasing his chances of starship access. No, it's right? not, because now the starships they're going to come are going to fight, which is almost what happens. Well, like the the funny part is, is like imagine his plan. He does this thing right, and then imagine the Romulans show up. They just would kill them. Yeah, yeah. You know, let me let me show you. Let me uh, you know, release your pain. No phaser. You know, like <laughs> where are the Romulans? They're in the neutral zone. We know that like the neutral zone is just basically next door to Romulus. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sean, it would be a disruptor, first of all. Oh, you're right. <laughs> um, you're right. but 
but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't make sense to have two cloaking ship races show up at the same time. Like that just gets complicated, and, right? And it's we like, also why you don't have Wolverine and Gambit in the same movie. It's like the same character. We also haven't seen we hadn't seen Romulans in the movies yet either. So mm-hmm. yeah. we don't we don't Hot know what Romulan. their we don't know what their ships look like. And so from maybe TNG we do. We do from TNG, but right. we don't in the movies. And they're kind of separate ish. I know that they're not, but they kind of are because because Zipperoni. like 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 because because the sixth movie, like the sixth movie comes out and says, "Oh hey, by the way, the Klingons are we're all friends now." And so it's like TNG goes, "Oh shit, we have to change some stuff," you know. So or or am I missing my misremembering? No, TNG said Klingons were all friends, so the sixth movie came along and introduced okay. the Accords. There are, I mean, the sixth movie did retcon a lot of stuff TNG tried to set up. It's fuzzy enough that you could be like, "Oh right, maybe they were talking about different things." But it... and again, I I watched the movies a hundred times before I watched one episode of. TNG, so that's just the way it goes for me. Any other plot holes before we move on to the question that I teased an hour ago? Cameron could just be that, uh, remember, this was all given to him in a vision, so maybe a part of his vision was completely incomplete. Well, I did, I mean, do we kind of want to see if we all followed the plot the same way? Because I feel like (laughs) there might be room for interpretation. It seems like, so Cybok has been fascinated with the Great Barrier for a long time. Also, Seemingly separate from that, he developed these powers. Now, he says they're not powers, but he can manifest your deepest, most shameful secrets into a mass hallucination that fills the room. But that other people can see other people. Exactly. Exactly. That seems like a power. But okay, Cyborg, whatever. But yeah, it, it never explains where that came from, because it implies at the end that that wasn't from the God being. Okay, it uh, let me just push my glasses up my nose here. But like, is that. Is that more of a power than a mind meld? Like, you I'm know just what I saying mean? Spock was surprised by it. Spock called it a power. Well, right. But I mean, this is a Vulcan who we have just been told accessed an entire part of his, you know, being and knowledge that other Vulcans don't. And we know okay. other Vulcans to be freakishly strong and have and Spock, even as a half Vulcan, has some telepathic stuff and a mind meld. So it's like, is it really that? I mean, as far as the things in this movie that are like, what? To me, that's a low-level one. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I just always assumed it came from the god being, but it doesn't seem that way. But so maybe while he was like poking around the Great Barrier in his not starship, he, maybe he got the vision from the god being because he was close to the barrier. Like, how did the god being like be able to manipulate his mind? I, I, I don't. That's never explained. So, I never picked up ever in the many times I've seen this that the actual god. Mm-hmm. Sent him, sent Cybok, and anything. I oh, think okay. he had. He was he was meditating. He had some shrooms. He 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 saw something like whatever. I disagree because he's. It makes a big point about him wanting a starship multiple times. He says that's what he's there for. And then as the soon starship. as he gets to the planet, what does the god ask for? Oh yeah, how how did you get here? Oh, we came here on a starship. Oh, cool. Let me merge with it. You know, I mean, yeah. You're so not wrong. I got I, the impression the god was like Cybok, bring me a starship. Because that's I, the only way he's getting out of there. Yeah, and I I see your point. I I just like I said the in the however many times I've seen this, sure. I never picked up on it. I always just thought that Cybok is just he's driven by this idea and that he had this idea on his own because he kind of feels like a dude that does things on his own, like his own way, his own whatever. He's an alpha, whatever. Like he's not getting a vision from an actual. It always it always to me just kind of felt like this he's was David a Koresh. Yeah, or I think or Joel I, Olstein. 
you know yeah. like, so i get it more of like it is okay so i think that this movie goes to such great lengths to illustrate that cyborg is just really nice like he's a good <laughs> dude right like you would want you'd want to hang out with cyborg constantly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like he's a great guy all he's the time always laughing and he's and he's very understanding like he i love the scene when chekhov threatens him like and I don't know about this actor. Like, did he know they wanted him to be Sean Connery? Because he's great. Like, oh, the yeah. guy does a great job in this role, honestly. Yeah. He does. Um, and, you know, that's not to say the role is perfectly written all the way through the movie, but he does a great job with the role. But, like, I feel like part of that is because it's just meant to show, like, hey, really nice, genuine, intelligent people that care about stuff can be manipulated if they're willing to, you know, give up critical reasoning for whatever reason it is right so here's this great guy that really wants to help people and he's so dedicated to that that he's willing to go oh a, a magic message from the sky i think it's astral projection to answer your question cameron i mean because it kind of has to be um but like to go oh this magic message from the sky is gonna fix all these people's problem even if they don't know it or want it is like Again, that's a very, it feels like a very direct, like, eh, religion bad, right? But it's probably more like organized religion bad or something. But it, I think that it is an attempt to show that Cybok, even though he has great wisdom and, you know, self knowledge, he's still susceptible because he is willing to take the leap of faith, right? Mm -hmm. So they show you back to back the leap of faith can be great. It can get you through the galactic barrier, which isn't even really a barrier. It's just a thing. And a leap of faith can be bad because it can make you go, oh, I've just brought a bunch of people into the the death planet of mm-hmm. Beard Guy. Like, So that's, that's the most fantastical part of this movie, right? That a zealot true believer can instantly change his mind when presented with the truth, right? Because the last few years have shown us that that doesn't happen. <laughs> right. But I think the character is written to do that. I think Cybok is I, written to do that. But I agree with you, Cameron. <laughs> I also have, and it wasn't until the, the viewing with my son where I actually felt bad for Cybok and how he dies because, yeah, he, I guess he, he, he sort of sacrifices himself. But again, Kirk kills him. Well, yeah. does he die? Yeah, sort of. We see him enter a god being and wrestle with himself, and then there's an explosion. Like, yeah, I think he's probably. I think we can see a cyborg god being fusion later on in the in a future. I hope so. Series. Maybe hope the next, so. you know, the Final Frontier spinoff that Shatner's going to direct now with his existential like fear of the void. Yeah, yeah. They they go back to 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 check on that planet to make sure that the god thing is dead and nope, nope they're cyborg. I just. It always bothered me that that he died because, you know, as a distraction. He yeah, was a distraction, yeah. you know. It's not like he sacrificed himself to actually stop the thing or, mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't know. It, You know, he, he, put, he throws himself in front of the laser eyes and gets well, killed it's just, or something. It's, it's all just, so quick. I mean, that's where, like, we're missing the third act. Like, th- at this point, he should have been confronted with, the knowledge that he was wrong all along he should they i mean we did more time with him and the crew at that point and him to like come to terms with that and him and his spock to kind of deal with shit and for him to realize that like you know what it's because i i i erased all this trauma from my life and regret like i didn't learn anything that's why i, I fell into this con yeah and then it kind of brought in some of the themes and stuff yeah i it, just 
it would have been interesting for him because he does he he does make that turn pretty quickly. His one eighty is fast, oh, yeah. and then he goes. Oh, yeah. He looks at him and goes, "Why don't you tell me about your pain or show me your pain?" He goes, "My what?" That's, Let's have a moment I think there. That it's, I feel like <laughs> yeah. it's consistent, right? Like he's been sho- like he's been showing us this whole movie that his number one tool to solve problems is radical empathy, right? Like help me understand what's hurting you, yeah. and so. For him to reach out to like a cosmic level of consciousness and say, share your pain with me, I think that alone may destroy him as a being, right? Like yeah, possibly, on an almost but... cosmic horror level. Now to to like was any of that in this movie? Maybe not. But like well, well yeah, and it might be consistent. It? Maybe. But it's not dramatically interesting or uh narratively uh I think it would have been fair. I think it would have totally been neat. Fair. Uh you know, again hindsight is whatever but it would have been neat for for him to say show me your pain and then we have a five minute little whatever yeah where like he's he's like mesmerized by it and the god's like looking around and then we get the backstory of why he's there of why yeah why he's locked up and like that's his pain is that he was abandoned by his you know floaty head god parents because he you know killed a bunch of whatever and yeah so it does seem interesting that like the center of the galaxy is this prison for this one being, but also that Vulcan myth put this like paradise at the center of the universe. I wonder if there is a connection there. If like the story kind of morphed over the years into in Vulcan society. Well, I think that could have been interesting to explore. I thought, I think paradise at the center of the universe is a common, uh, religious. Sure. But it's also a weird place to stick your, solitary don't, confinement don't tell me where to stick my deities cameron i'll stick them wherever <laughs> i want them up uranus uh, <laughs> so apparently uh i tried teasing this uh a couple minutes ago and i'm gonna tease or i'm gonna bring it back i teased this Please. earlier in the episode is this the worst trek movie mm-hmm. in in the 13 movies that we have available to us is this the worst one because most would argue that this is there's even a big bang theory episode where they argue, Sheldon argues that that one is the worst one, and Kuthrapali argues that this is the worst one, and that his, even Sheldon makes the point, again, this was probably written, this episode was written by someone that's not a Trekkie, because he even says, you know, special effects, and then he says score is bad. I'm like, it's written by the same guy, so you can't say that the score is bad. Well, I, also, it has the Klingon music in it, so yeah. invalid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I guess they're, they're both incorrect. But yeah, go ahead. No, I'm asked, so this is the question I ask of you. I guess I'll, I'll point to you, Cameron, mm. and say which one to you is the worst Trek film? Which is which of the thirteen? If you rank them, okay. one to thirteen, I, which is thirteen? Sure. I haven't seen the 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 Next Generation ones in a long, long time, and I didn't really understand much of them because I hadn't seen the show at that point. So I'm going to leave those ones out. Okay. Um, I am going to say that it is from an objective film student analyzing the structure of story and filmmaking. It's the worst one. Now, if you presented me with the motion picture and this one, which one am I more likely to choose to watch? It might be this one. It's more fun. And they both have problems with their endings. So, uh, I would say this is the worst one, but it's not my least favorite. Okay. That's that's a good way to put it. What do you, what, what say you, Jesse? I say once Cameron watches Nemesis again, he's going to be like, can we please watch The Final Frontier? Can you re-edit my answer? At, at any point. Um, 
I think Nemesis is the worst one just because it's like, it's so clearly is for a lot of the reasons that this one and generations are not great. Right. Where it's like, Oh, you're, you're going to do a swan song. You're going to do like the love letter to this crew, their final adventure, like a great last send off, except, Oh, look at what you're, why are you doing? Please stop doing it this way. Why would you choose this way? (laughs) And it just, it goes it goes downhill. Now, I am firmly of the belief. I think, as I stated at the top, I think every Trek movie is worth doing and therefore worth watching. Like, if especially if you're a Trek fan. If you're not a Trekkie, then ask your Trekkie friends which ones you should watch, and they'll probably steer you correctly. But I personally think Nemesis is the worst movie for very similar reasons that this movie is not good. Um, but I almost feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like any movie before a certain year just gets an amount of slack, right? Like because of how freaking difficult it is to get a movie made in the first place, but like to use the tools available at the time. And I'm speaking, you know, from my perspective, I'm not saying objectively, you should leave movies from the eighties alone or anything like that. I'm just saying like, you need to take into account when the movies came out and, you know, judge them that way and for that reason i feel like nemesis is a little bit more unforgivable because it's like you should have learned all these lessons by now you've had a long time to learn these lessons what are you doing um but it also has a nearly unrecognizable tom hardy playing a clone of picard so that's like there's value there like there's even something in nemesis to enjoy so i think nemesis is the worst movie i don't think this one is the worst one maybe by a long shot. Um, but I also don't think it's great. I think most of the Trek movies are all right. Some of them are great Trek movies and some of them are great movies, but I think on average, they're like pretty good. <laughs> like I don't, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you know, the Trek filmography taken as a whole is legendary. Like pieces of it are. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think, I, like if somebody said you can never watch Star Trek five again, I'd be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> like I remember enough of it. Like I, I'm not going to miss that much, you know, of that, but I'm glad that that didn't happen. I'm glad that I have access to Star Trek five. Andrew, I know you don't really have much of a, you know, a strong opinion one way or the other on this. Would you have, yeah. if you remember enough or I'm just curious. I mean, I'm going to say this one just because at least in the first one, I I cared a little bit more about the characters because I feel like I was meeting them for the first time. Yeah. Coming into the films, at least. This one, I just, it was just a little too cartoony for me and not good. <laughs> it does also so. suffer from like, if you don't know these characters really well, this movie isn't going to. Yeah, like yeah. you're not going to care at all about this right. movie, like, and that could be that could be part of it as well. I don't yeah. really care about the the ones that I care about are the three that we see that we see yeah. in you know for the and that relationship's done really well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like if you if you didn't spend you know five years with this crew watching all their adventures, and then you didn't spend a bunch of years watching all their movies and being like, you know, what happens next? Like that, it's like this is literally th- uh, an old thruple working out their issues yeah, <laughs> like yeah. together. And it's, you know, for some of us like, hell yeah. But I could see where other people would be like, no, thank you. 
<laughs> so How are you, Sean? So yeah, to answer my question, first of all, I, I do I am going to push back a little bit. I don't want to get into an argument because that's not what this particular episode is going to be about. <laughs> but I do like Nemesis. I don't think it's bad. Um, and maybe there's some uh, nostalgia with it because it was the first time I forced my then-girlfriend, now-wife, to watch Trek. She went and actually saw it with me in the theater. Uh, and that was... The first movie I saw in the theater was Generations, and that's that was my dad took me to that. And I have a, I've I've, I've gone on your show, maybe not. I don't know. I guess I, I haven't been on Open Pike, but maybe I haven't said that. For Generations, to me, was a, a movie where my dad was like, "Hey, son, come with me to the theater, just you and I as men, and we're gonna go watch Trek." And so, so that movie, though not great, has a fun place in my heart uh, as as a memory with my dad. To me, Insurrection is the worst one. Because I, I don't like really anything about it. It's not fun. It's kind of annoying. Uh, I don't, again, you know, there, there's more, there's another time element in that movie, but Star Trek loves its time element. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a, it's there's not no a time element in that movie. Yeah. They, they go there and time goes backwards. They, they start to de age. We, we have Worf getting zits. I mean, it's, uh, like, you know, it, it's, it's their DNA regenerates, but I, I like let's not get into it. Right, but I'm, but it, it's basically them going backwards in time. I mean, you, you, know, you can argue that, and I'm still going to say it's not, but okay, that's fine. So their the, their rings have regenerative re, regenerative processes uh, properties. That was really hard to say. Anyway, it's a bad movie. I don't like Insurrection. I would rather watch one and five twice before watching Insurrection, but. And I like Nemesis. I think Nemesis is okay. It's not great. It's fine. I don't think it's as as bad as Jesse's making out to me. But again, Jesse has his opinion, and that is okay. All right. Time for clips. Anything else we want to say before I play some clips? Uh, I've got a couple quick things. Maybe not so quick. I don't know. But okay, so real quick. So they <laughs> land on the planet, and yeah. they walk away, and everyone on the ship watches them walk away towards these mountains. Where in the F is that camera? Yeah. Where yep. is that I camera? That, too, yeah. that and it seems they be, they seem to be watching their interaction with God later too. What? Yeah, when Kirk Did they gets set up zapped, a little tripod before they walked away. <laughs> the, the camera in the badge. Yeah, when when Kirk gets zapped. No, but there's no badge over this. Not even like they could have cheated it so it looked like it had been part of the shuttle. I would have bought that. Right. That they had a camera on the shuttle. Yeah, it wasn't even that. The shuttle was in frame. So, uh, some of the triangles on spy on Cybok's shirt were. <laughs> That's my thing. That's my <laughs> thing, Sean. My uh, uh, whatever you called your thing earlier. Problem um, with diegetic storytelling. Sh- do we want to talk about the fan dance? I we, please. I, I are we I are hip- we fans of the fan dance? Yeah, I, I was hypnotized. That, yeah, I just want to say that that was one thing that I thought. <laughs> nice. Sorry, it took me a minute to catch what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, that took me out of the movie like hmm. i know they need a distraction but okay she's at the age in this movie that uh, don't put your clothes back on like <laughs> but these are these are dudes need, that are on a desert a, planet i mean like the most attractive female they've probably seen is the cat lady true but wow. here's here's an instance where we we need a red shirt that is a throwaway <laughs> character that just She's just interning, like she's just the coffee girl on on the ship, and and we had that character on the ship, like that. She was very clearly an intern. She had half a skirt. I'll put I'll push back because I mean, one, I've always enjoyed it because I'm 
a red-blooded male. <laughs> but even as a, as a teenager, I recognized, A, I just love when the, these other characters get a chance to do something. A hurry yeah. gets a chance to do something this movie. And that's not every movie. They don't always give Sulu, Chekhov, or her something to do. So I like that she gets that. And, I mean, this is coming from a white male, so take it as you will, but it seems to have a middle-aged black woman be a sex symbol in that way was empowering for, especially for 89, even for today, we don't see that a lot. And I, I feel there's value there. I don't know. True. I mean, she did have great legs. You're not she had great legs. I don't know where those feathers came from. Yeah, did what, they bring a, that with them? Like, did they <laughs> replicate them? Like, that, <laughs> also, was that her singing? And was there like a vocal effect? Did they bring a karaoke machine down yes. in the shuttle? Yeah. That, that, oh, okay. Obviously. Amplifier in the badge. In the badge. Oh, the badge, the badge. The, the, the they don't exist in this world. Oh, wait, the, was she... But was she, she was naked though, right? Like she just was using the fan to cover I mean, oh, the man. people were asking, what, is she naked? The, I, okay. The okay. The, the Let's question... just talk about the ADR in general in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, okay? it's bad. The, the crowd running up, woman, woman. Yeah. Like, are they <laughs> it's also. like a middle school locker room. Yeah, yeah, like are they also Neanderthals or something? Like what is going on? And that's a little speciesist, by the way. Um, <laughs> but like. That and why, why, why in the two minute scene where everyone is riding unicorns, why did they add ADR of Kirk going, try to be one with the horse, Spock? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a why Shatner is movie. <laughs> you know that he's going to have to ride a horse at some point. So <laughs> sure. Yeah, but what's the line for? It's like, to... what is a Spock knows how to ride a damn horse, dude? Like, what are you trying to? Clearly, he what doesn't are you He's been on yeah. a horse. Like, uh, seriously, seriously. He's like, on, what are you trying to do? He's this on his guy high knows how horse. To ride a horse. He's on his high horse a lot of times. But I, <laughs> I, I just, yeah. I just want to go and film the conversation with Kirk saying, we need a distraction. Hey, Uhura, go get those fans and get naked. Right? Like, okay, is, so, that a, is that an order? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right? That is a very problematic situation. That yeah. It's workplace harassment. She does, she does, sorry, she does just kind of appear there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It is I a think, great shot. Her or maybe she was like, hey, room. I've been practicing this thing for Scotty. I'll do it for these guys. <laughs> I think yeah, what yeah. clearly happened is that Sulu was like, I could do my fan dance. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, actually, let let me do the fan dance. <laughs> yeah. And then the whole time she was doing it, he was like, oh, she's totally stole that from me. Right. Like, <laughs> I think that's probably how that went. You, I, nailed I, it. I mean, okay, no. Okay. Kay. No disrespect to George Takei. I think that man is a treasure. And I was delighted. The just again, I'm going to call out Lower Decks when yeah. Boimler goes, Oh my gosh, Captain Kirk. And he goes, Captain Sulu. And he goes, Even better. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I like just, yeah, I, I feel that way. And to Cameron's point, though, I don't know that they gave Uhura something to do in this movie. Like she did that. And then she went, Hey man, Cyborg's a nice guy. It was, well, she, it was, she it was, was really flirty with to do. She, like at uh, least she right. got that awesome silhouette shot. Yeah. She, well, she's pretty she flirty with, with Scott. Right. Yeah. I mean, actually um, of all the characters that have nothing to do, I think Sulu has the least. He has like he one line. And, and, well, not he, off the, and he, he flew the shuttle. He followed the Klingon around with Chekhov, and he got lost with Chekhov. Yeah, like that's kind of. Did he yeah, and too. Chekhov tag like double team that Vulk that that Klingon? Because we know there's. Oh yeah. They so, 
we did. If you saw them like lusting after her, as soon as they saw the dude cling on, they both immediately they both just turned away, yeah. altered course, <laughs> like <laughs> in unison too, which was great. So and it was it. like you could almost see on on um, George Takei's face, like you could almost see him winking at Walter Koenig the whole time they were doing <laughs> that. Like getting into right. the trivia on this one just a little bit to answer your question, the the Shatner directed movie. Mm-hmm. Shatner and uh, Takei mm-hmm. did not get along at all. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and so that's why he doesn't have a whole lot to do in this movie. I mean, he has and like two fact, lines total. He gets lost. It, matter of fact, the, the trivia even said that he almost didn't reprise his role, and Shatner had to convince him to do it. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also, I mean, again, that animosity, you know, seeped into the sixth movie to that. Sulu was like, okay, I'll come back, but I'm not going to be on on set. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's on a Can different ship. Can I get ship. a promotion? Yeah. I'll be yeah. my own ship. I don't want to even be in the same scenes as you. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be in the same plot as you. But yeah, I'll be in your movie. Sure. Yeah, I'll be in the movie. <laughs> I mean, like, at the very end of the movie is when he's finally in, on the same set with him. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, none of their scenes are, are filmed together. I mean, I know that, that Excelsior is just uh, a revamped version of the Enterprise, but like, yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's that's a, a well-known uh, whatever. The only other thing I want to bring up, Sean, which I can't believe we have not... I mean, we just have to address right now the super dark existential twist of the movie. I don't know why we haven't brought it up yet. Okay, and that's... At the very end, they're all singing Life is But a Dream, and then it pans out, revealing that they are but characters living inside a map painting. Oh, like how... A dream. <laughs> Oh my God! Like, is that does that mean all of Star Trek has just been a dream of these characters in this very mundane landscape painting? Yes, the Bob Ross. The Bob like some Lynchian level stuff there, guys. I mean, I don't know if Shatner's getting enough credit here. It's a great segue into Shatner's existential dread that he experienced in actual space. <laughs> That's right. I know that wasn't the intention, but when it pulled back in in HD, it is very clearly a painting. Like, that's kind of what it felt like. It had that St. Elsewhere feel to it. Like, wait a second. We're we're right back where we started the movie. Did everything we just see? Because my head's spinning. I'm like, where where are these themes? What did this movie want me to take away? I don't know. And the movie's like, us neither. Life's a dream. I don't know. That sounds deep. Now, I will (laughs) say, like, as a Trekkie, I was like, oh, yes, a matte painting. I love it. Yeah, that's true. but that's true. I, I understand that it's not necessarily like a selling point for most people. <laughs> All right. All right. Time for clips. Here we go. I got a few. I'm very excited for these. Here we go. Uh, Shatner saying thing. I'm doing this because I enjoy it. Not to mention the most important reason for climbing a mountain. And that is? Because it's there. Uh, Captain. I do not think you realize the gravity of your situation. There you go. Got to have a little joke there. Gravity. Mm -hmm. Now, this movie does something. Well, it does many things that none of the other ones do. But this is the first time we get somebody other than Captain Kirk giving a report, a a, a log. Mm. We get a voiceover of Scotty. This movie, for lack of Sulu and Chekhov, has a lot of Scotty, which I'm mm-hmm. here for. I, you know, Jesse's making funny faces, but I, it's got, I think, comparatively speaking to the other characters, there's a lot of Scotty, right? I feel Scotty's always like the fourth 
Vegas. It's the fourth most screen time. It's a good thing Scotty the trio. Uh-huh. He does. Anyway, this, yeah. this this line made me laugh. USS Enterprise Shakedown Cruise Report. I think this new ship was put together by monkeys. Oh, she's got a fine engine, but half the doors won't open. And guess whose job it is to make it right? <laughs> oh, that's frat. Let's see what she's got, said the captain. And then we found out, didn't we? <laughs> I love I love that he's just so grumpy and bitchy. I just that made me laugh. Like when I went mm-hmm. back to pull these clips, it made me laugh. He's just this was put together by monkeys. It just cracks me up that he's just bitching the whole time. Like, yeah, I so, hope some Starfleet bureaucrat is having to listen to this thing, <laughs> listen to Scotty bitch about how bad the ship is. So did we get an ASR rant? I mean, an Angry Scotsman rant? Oh, oh yeah, that, you're right. That is an Angry Scotsman. Wow, they, they, that's a callback uh, for you. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, if you if you... Break Scotsman into two words there, you could get ASMR. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but I would listen to James Doohan <laughs> doing some ASMR as Scotty. So <laughs> it's so interesting, too, because James Doohan is Spanish. <laughs> we should, can we, can we put that on one he, of our he shows, up, though? He grew up next door to Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. Can we have it? <laughs> now that's a deep cut. Oh, I <laughs> love we, it. Oh, can we do... Sam, that was just for you. Can we do like a a like Scotty ASMR series on one of our shows? Like now I'm opening the soap opera. <laughs> like I think that might yeah. that might have an audience somewhere. I mean that and Sulu, honestly. Sulu yeah. too. Oh yeah. I love that man. You guys have gotta watch his episodes of Adventure Time. He plays a mutant evil heart. It's it's amazing. Well, he does have uh, one character in one episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, and every time that episode comes on and we're watching it, I just start smiling, and my wife goes, mm-hmm. I know, I know. So, <laughs> it's great. But I don't know. Just Okay, Sean, I have to say this. I was watching regular TV today, you know, like on demand, just like whatever channel was on. I wasn't. My daughter was. Uh, and she was watching a show called Bubble Guppies. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there was mm-hmm. a superhero on this episode voiced by Kate Mulgrew. And I was like, that is Kate Mulgrew. And my wife went, excuse me, are you telling me who's on this children's show? Yeah. And I was like, "I yes, but here's why. <laughs> so it uh, was far less creepy than it initially seemed. There's, they, there's a Bubble Guppies episode where they go into space in a spaceship, and one of them is a Spock archetype. And there is one of, one of the, because he, the whole time he's captain. We have a thing where we must go, and they're having to. I think they have to save the music in the universe because there's a. So, uh, that particular guppy always talks like that, which I think is really cool. But yeah. um, but he has but a blue do, shirt. Yeah, yeah. He's wearing he, a blue and, shirt and he has pointy ears. And my wife immediately went. There was also a Whoopi Goldberg episode. Did you not know this? And nice. I was like, I gotta watch more Bubble Guppies, dude. <laughs> yeah. I also love that, and that one of my favorite shows, uh, Psych, has both William Shatner and George Takei in him at, at different mm-hmm. times. So, and George Takei as George Takei, and the character, uh, the Sean Spencer character, calls him George Takei, and the guy was like, "No, no, he prefers Takei." He goes, "No, no, no, only the guys that really know him know how to pronounce it." So you just go sit down. He was really great. He was also very good as I believe himself in uh, Party Down, one episode of Party Down. Oh, I forgot that. I don't even know what that is, but that's I'll have to okay. check that out. Sean, you gotta watch Party Down. Yeah, you do. 
Here's uh here's uh more funny things from Scotty. Red, red, red alert. <laughs> red, I just fixed alert. that damn thing. <laughs> Again, why is the MP3 file busted? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, to Jesse's point, like it's so ridiculous that Starfleet would send this ship out with a skeleton yeah. crew on such an high stakes mission. Yeah. I mean, it's not high stakes, but like to beat the Klingons and Romulans there. Yeah. yeah, we have other ships, but not an experienced crew. Well, can you give us one of those ships then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is the Excelsior good? Like, can we take that ship? The Admiral's answer to him almost made it seem like they were trying to get Kirk killed. Yeah. He was like, he's like, you literally can't send anybody else. He's like, ah, we could, but uh, I feel like sending you. Yeah. <laughs> because I know you slept with my wife. Yeah. yeah. Probably. Go ahead by yourself. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Just take a shuttlecraft and then crash it and later. Daughter. And daughter. Uh, <laughs> here is, I, I, we've made several jokes at its, at its expense. This is, in fact, a, <laughs> the, you know, the Voyager 5 spacecraft or whatever being shot and screaming. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, that thing screamed. It was very strange. <laughs> So glad I wasn't the only one who heard it. Oh my gosh, every time. It's very strange to me. I immediately pulled my uh, headphone cup off of my very sweaty ear and was like, oh, was that my toddler? And, oh, <laughs> yeah. no. No, that was a satellite. That's a okay. satellite. That was the, <laughs> right. that was the, what was the one that we just, legit, what was the one that we had that just left our solar system a few, about a year ago? Voyager. Uh, Voyager 1, I think, is the furthest thing out. Yeah. Uh, not even close to like, the Oort cloud, but I think it left what was considered known space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this line also made me laugh. Most of this stuff is just stuff that made me laugh. Stand by to execute emergency landing plan B. I love the music stop. You know who's a good actor? Oh, hold on, hold on. Hang in. We still got eight seconds. Hang in there. Emergency landing plan B. I don't have a clue. B, as in barricade. He can't be serious. <laughs> Again, Scotty with the line. William Shatner. I mean, he is underrated. He is a great actor, as Kirk, at least. I mean, he 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 does a lot of stuff in these movies, and it's well, all really good. My my favorite, so you mentioned it earlier, and I, forgot, and I wanted to say something, but then I couldn't. So mm-hmm. Spock has two really great lines, or uh, non-lines, non-verbal communications in the, in the movie. The first is when uh, Kirk sits in his chair and it shakes. He goes, I miss my chair. And and Spock basically just kind of gives him almost a pouty lip look, like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry for you." And then the second one is this moment when he says, "You know, uh, emergency plan B." And Sc- Spock looks off like side eyed and gives the you know the eyebrow like, "I have no idea what's about to happen." You know, it's it's just a great look. Yeah, it's- I mean, obviously, Leonard Nimoy is carrying more weight in his acting ability. Yeah. Like, I mean, Chetner just has to be charismatic, but like. He gets across a lot of stuff, but in, in that Kirk persona, yeah. I I love this character in these movies. Now, so this next clip is okay. It's a little personal. So sometimes Andrew's wife or Sam's wife will send me audio clips from them, and in this case, this was Karen, Andrew's wife, his lovely wife, sent me an audio clip. Oddly enough, this is in the bedroom on their honeymoon. And she's asking Andrew a question, and this is what he said. Stand by to execute. Nope, that's not it. It was this. Man, 
How often have you done this? Actually, it's my first attempt. There you go. So <laughs> that's okay, right. Andrew. I don't know how they got that audio, but that's... Yeah, why, I mean... Yeah, well, I'm not sure why Karen was recording it and why she altered her voice, but... Yeah, speaking of, one of my students asked me the other day, he said, what are you going to... What are you going to tell your kids when they find out you're a virgin? (laughs) (laughs) That kid either the smartest or the dumbest in class. I know. It was kind of out of the blue, too. It was very unexpected, and I just couldn't do anything but laugh. Nice. shook my head, and I said, that's a good question. But yeah, I mean, yeah, either dumb or just burn the shit out of you. Yeah, right. Like, one or the other, wow. Uh, here's that pratfall we mentioned. Mr. Scott, you're amazing. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Now, I saw, for whatever, my memory of this movie, this is so funny. I remember watching this movie on WGN-TV Saturday mornings so many times that when he hits his head and falls and that's when the red alert happens it cuts the commercial so hmm. every so the last two times that i watched it for this this thing my brain kept waiting for a fade to black in that moment because i was waiting for the commercial break is it every time he smacks his head falls red alert bam, 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 fade to black and i'm waiting for a cheerios commercial or something Next time on Jerry Springer. Yeah, it was very strange. It's just my memory of that. Uh, what does... Oh, here we go. Excuse me. It will carry my power to every corner of creation. Excuse me, I'd just like to ask a question. <laughs> what does God need with a starship? And why do I have so much reverb in my voice when we're outside? <laughs> but it now allowed me to keep this. Excuse me. I now have that forever. Excuse me. So when when Sam starts saying something ridiculous, I'll just say, Excuse me. There you go. You should have just used that interrupt Jesse multiple times during this podcast. Yeah. Just, I ha- I haven't said anything that needs. Excuse me. Yet. <laughs> I stand by that. All right. This is the last one, and again, it also made me chuckle. Thought I was going to die. Not possible. You were never alone. Please, Captain. Not in front of the Klingons. <laughs> That's a good line. I love it. I Which, think it's hysterical. And like, come on, Shatner. Like, you're really surprised that people are reading into you and Spock's relationship? I know. Like, I know. come on. That line is for that. Like. Yeah. Come on, dude. Like, just relax. It's hilarious, and it's great. And you guys are in love, so chill. It's okay. <laughs> All right. It's like when the director of Nightmare uh, on Elm Street 2 didn't realize he was making, like, a gay subtext film, which is what the screenwriters had intended. Yeah. Which, which we talked about what? not three weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we talked about that at length, because I didn't know that, and we're, I'm talking like, man, this movie's got a lot of homoerotic uh, 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 subtext, and uh, our, our guest, Lindsay Washburn, was like, Yes, that was on purpose. Like, oh, okay. So that the From fact some that, of them, yeah, like like the fact that the 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 gym teacher who goes to an S and M bar is killed or is is attacked by having balls thrown to his face. Like, <laughs> the movie was not subtle at no. all. All right. Balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, balls. I'm not going to play the clip, Andrew.
All right. Well, now that we're an hour and 50 minutes into this episode, I am now going to play. We're going to play the game. And this episode is now sponsored by. Help Open Pike Night celebrate hashtag where November has gone before. This year, from November 1st through 30th, go to openpike.com slash join us and leave us a voicemail or message to be entered to win a Hallmark Keepsake Strange New Worlds Enterprise light-up ornament. One entry per person. And remember, openpike.com is the easiest way for you to get your voice into the ears of the people who make Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Make any bridge just a little bit brighter with Open Pike Night and your brand new tiny flagship. And now for some more bad news. Ready? We are still going to play the game. That's right. We're going to play the game called Hey, Did You Notice? This Mm. is a game where Andrew has come up with some questions about this movie, and he's going to ask us those questions about little things and whatever that we saw in the movie. Cameron and Jesse will be on one team, and I will be their opponent. Uh, You guys will go first in the questions. If you get it wrong, then I will have an opportunity to... To steal a point, first uh, person to five wins, or best out of five wins, I should say. If we lose, you may be witnessing the disintegration of Open Pike Night right here <laughs> now. <clears throat> Trekkies are notoriously bad at trivia. Well, this All is right, not so trivia. This has nothing to do with trivia. Before we get into the first question, uh, I had a question, but I'm not going to make it an actual question because I didn't think it was quite fair. Um, but if you noticed, and I was hoping you would catch this uh, this clip, Sean, but when he's fighting oh, wait, the cat hold on. alien... Damn it! I missed it! Hold on! Hold on! <laughs> I missed the clip! Here it is! Hold on! Oh, shit. Hold on. The clip that I said that I wanted to capture, and I forgot, I still have it queued up. So they run in. This is where they're running in. Run the horses. I didn't cue this up very well. Hold on. It's worth the wait. I promise. Spock, hold your horse, Captain. There it is. Hold your hold horse, your Captain. Horse. Oh, yeah. Oh. I've been waiting to say that to someone all, all night, but I haven't had an opportunity. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Andrew, sorry. That was worth it. I, uh, I feel like in, in the longer version, like that Christian Bale guy from the beginning, like he had to have had a payoff, right? He was in this movie. so He was the first person we saw, and he yeah, has right. no payoff at the end. He has more lines than... Uh, <laughs> than Decay. <laughs> some, some of the crew, yeah. yeah. Um... So before we get there, Christian though, when he's fight. fighting the cat alien chick in the in the bar there, yeah, d- did you notice there is a famous singer's voice that is thrown into the cat sounds? Mm. It's a very famous singer. Do you know who it is? No, Aretha Kit. So if you go back and watch that scene, um, you can very clearly hear James Brown, the singer James <laughs> Brown, and it's just his. Uh, at the beginning of the I Feel Good song, mm. right? he has that kind of scream at the beginning. That's the sound that they used for hit, for the uh, fight sound, or for the cat sound. I, I believe it. I believe the cat, it. The cat with three boobs? Yeah, yeah. Cause we, cause... I completely forgot that there's a live-action Cation in Star Trek. I thought they were only animated series. Now, I don't know if she is considered a Cation because Dr. Ta'ana doesn't have three boobs, from what I can <laughs> tell. So Maybe I'm it's, not... Uh... It could be maybe it's a subspecies. It's a northern yeah. Cation. I, I, it's, right. it's it's her her mom was the three boobed lady from Total Recall. Mm, um, there we go. Who was Ensign Sonia Gomez in TNG? So it all comes together. Now my Boom. son got when that when they get into the bar and they're playing pool and the table is water. He goes, "Hey, pool! I get it." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Your son is smarter than I. Yep. Am. Uh, <laughs> all right, Andrew, what you got? 
All right, so uh, Jesse and Cameron, this question goes to you. If you don't know it, Sean can steal. So Shuttle 5 is named Galileo. What is the name of Shuttle 3? Copernicus. Copernicus. Ah, there you go. All right, very good. That, that was a kind of a softball question for you. So one point for you guys. Sean. Yeah. Um, a commercial is playing on the television that Kurt slams the cat alien into. What is the commercial for? Uh, it's the Odie Bar. Oh, no, wait, that's Serenity. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know. All right. Do you know, Jesse? Jesse. Um, it's, I believe it's for Paradise City or maybe a casino. It's, it's in like Par- land. The bar. I think it's, it's advertising moving to Paradise City, right? Yes, it is for Federation Federal home financing for Paradise City to build. Because they say something about like yeah. being underwater when he throws the cat in the pool. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of clever oh, sound that's, design. Uh, that's impressive. Nice. Glad, glad you Good job, guys. Um, all right. So, Jesse, Cameron, this is you at the club where the hostages are being kept. There's a sign above the door, the entry into the club. There is one word written in English. What is it? Uh, right above the door. I know at the front of the city it says paradise and then lost is spray painted next yeah. to it, but that's two English words, so it's not that. I, I I don't know. Do you have any guesses, Jesse? I can guess. I this one I don't have a guess. Cat today's in one word. <laughs> Sean. Uh enter. <laughs> well, you're close. In- entrance. Um, the word is H O L E. Hole. Ah, uh, all right. Okay. As in, as in, in the wall. Yeah. Or, yes. Or yeah. watering hole. Mm, yeah. yeah. All right. And since um, there's only one cling on there, the chances of it being a glory hole are really low. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, this is you at, uh, at. I don't. I don't know what I was writing here. I didn't like this. <laughs> I, I, I was autocorrected uh, or something. So uh, when they are climbing the turbo shaft to get to the communicator, what deck, what deck level do they start on? And I'll give you a hint. It is not level one. Do they start on? Yeah, Kirk and... Now, here's a bit of trivia that I learned years ago, is that in the original design, deck one was like the top of the ship, and it went down. But Mm. they flipped it for this, for this scene, so that it would... They could ascend up. So you got an idea of how long they've been climbing. Yeah. There's a lot of weird shots of just like people going across frame in this movie. Like that shot of them climbing was just really long. And then when they're on the planet, on the heaven planet, they're like, it's just shots of their feet walking across sand. I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know, deck five. All right, Jesse or Cameron, do you have an idea? I know when they stop, it's around like the teens. I think it was like... I think they start on deck three. I'll, I'm fine with that. They start on deck six. Oh, the very bottom I was going to guess six, seven. And they go all the way up to like 78. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, wow. It's ridiculous yeah. when they fly up. It's really high. Because my son asked well, me that too. He's like, how many decks are this ship? I'm like, I don't think there are as many as the, the, the numbers say. Well, and it's a beautiful inversion. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a beautiful inversion of the earlier scene where Kirk is falling and Spock chases him on the boots, right? Instead of going down together, they're going up together. It's it's like poetry. It rhymes. 
the fizzy yeah. lifting boots. Yeah, it, it, it's also how I like that they don't have to actually hold on to Spock for them to fly. You know, like their <laughs> their feet are dangling. They're very good boots. Like like oh yeah, but Spock is so strong that he can can manipulate the boosters with one hand and hold two other men with another one hand. Well, I mean, they're used to this position, right? <laughs> like <laughs> they practice it while they were camping. All right, whose turn yeah. is it? Is it they uh, call it the Vulcan double? I mean, Sorry. I think they won. You, you've already won, but here's the last question, just for fun: How many men were in the lookout party that they stole horses from, and how many horses were there total? <laughs> it did feel like there were way more horses than men. Um, There's there at least. Three different voices talking about is she naked? Honestly, maybe four or five are scrambling up that hill. What do you think, Jesse? Five? Five. I think five guys and five guys, but more than five horses? Yeah, like nine horses. I don't know. Can we can we say can we say five guys and greater than five horses? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sean, do you have a guess? Well, you've already said six was the deck, so and you like to use the same numbers over again, so I'll say six. <laughs> Six of both, sure. People and horses, yeah. Okay. Why not? Wait, was there it seven w- of nine? <laughs> <laughs> wow. There were eight men, okay, and ten horses, which I oh. didn't understand. Huh. Classic. Why, why would we have two more horses than we have? Are the breeding yeah. horses? It's a it's or a hot dogs and whatever they are. Yeah, it's a hot thing. dogs and buns thing. Yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Well, good job, guys. Yeah. Um, that was fun. Thank All you, right. Andrew. Time for this. Excuse me while I whip this out. This is where we're going to do top three. And this is where I... So I picked the category of movies with God. And by God, we mean big God or little G God or false God or anything like that. So <laughs> lots of interpretation, but I don't think that this is going to come up anytime soon, this category. So I'm okay with that. And I will let Cameron go first. Ooh. Um, so I did just kind of go Judeo-Christian God, just kind of limit my choices. Um, <clears throat> so I went uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Of course, it's nice. a good idea. <laughs> of course. Uh, great depiction of God in that. I went. I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but I remember loving it and have really been wanting to revisit Prophecy. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Viggo Mortensen and uh, Christopher Walken. And yeah. I think Viggo's the devil, right? Christopher Walken's the angel Gabriel. I know Jesse, Jesse, awesome. Jesse, it's an amazing movie. Check that it out. Sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the last one was one that kind of surprised me how much I enjoyed uh, Noah. I really liked Noah, the recent uh, one. Don't listen to our episode on that one, then. No, then I won't. Then yeah, I won't. It's, no, it's like I our just, bottom four episode. Uh, I loved how um, it just felt like an '80s fantasy movie. It's like let's take this Bible story and turn it into an '80s fantasy movie. And I loved it. I didn't think Darren Aronofsky knew how to do fun. <laughs> I see this. I was surprised how fun it was. I think that's what kind of took me by surprise, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. All right. What you got, Jesse? Uh, so I have two very respectable answers, and then I have a bro answer because um, <laughs> you guys are my bros. So uh, my first answer is Princess Mononoke, which is sort of about the clash of different sorts of gods uh, the old gods and the new gods, you know primarily, if you will, uh, gods of nature versus gods of man and industry, that sort of a thing. Uh, And also the English voice cast for the dub of Princess Mononoke is pretty good. It's got uh, 
Billy Crudup and Gillian Anderson is in it. Billy Bob um, Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton. I think Claire Danes is in it. There's a lot of people in it. I feel like that was the movie that introduced like getting big American actors to dub the Jap anime. Probably. I mean, I I was very very young when it was like contemporary, but um, sadly I wasn't that young. And the second one that I would pick is The Road to El Dorado. We've got Miguel and Tulio, uh, Tulio and Miguel pretending to be gods. And we find out that it is tough to do so. It's like one of the most enjoyable songs in a non, I think that's a non-Disney movie, right? That's a, a uh, DreamWorks, I think. DreamWorks, I think. Really, really good song. Um, and then my bro answer is Constantine. Cause like nice. that was just, yeah. that was a cool movie. And I really like you have fun watching that movie. And I think Keanu Reeves can make anything cool. I don't know if he can make it like, I don't know what the word is for it. Like meaningful, but cool is definitely the word I'm looking for. Like the arm tattoos and the, the cross shaped shotgun. Like, is that dumb? Yeah. Does Keanu fit that? Yes. I like that movie. It's fun to watch. Uh, it's also based on a comic book, so it's okay to have cross shotguns and arm tattoos right. and cool things like that. Yeah. And the the connection there being that like God and the devil are actively in charge of the conflict in that, but I don't think I don't I haven't read the comic, so I don't know if they actually play characters, but I know that they're basically using John well, as a pawn. Peter Peter pawn John. Peter Stormare as as the devil is like one of the most brilliant pieces of casting ever in the history yeah. mm-hmm. of casting. I mean, that moment when he shows up is awesome. And he's so good at the devil. And he just, and he mocks him and all this stuff. It's just a great scene. I'm totally with you. So that was actually on my list. So I'm going to switch it out. So usually what I do is when I do these, I have like five in case somebody takes one of mine. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take out Constantine and insert Legion, mm. which, uh, you know, it's a fine end of world whatever movie, and it has a really cool Star Trek connection because uh, my brain has just stopped working. The guy that, oh my gosh, I'm too tired. Gosh dang it, I'll think of it later. The Doug Jones is in that movie. That's what I was trying to say. Doug okay. Jones is in that movie. Yeah, Saru, yes, Captain Saru. Saru. I couldn't think of Saru either. My number two is going to be Bruce Almighty. Mm-hmm. Good, fun little little comedy there. You said number two. Number two. My honorable mention, mainly because I just wanted to bring this up for, for Jesse and Cam, is Thor 3. Mm-hmm. A little, little, little Thor 3 there. But mm-hmm. not Thor 4. But not just, Thor. I want to go. I just want to go on record as saying, but not Thor 4. There's more gods in Thor 4, though. There are more gods right, in Thor 4. That doesn't make it better. Uh, it's true. It doesn't. So I still <laughs> I had a good time with it. But my number one is Fievel Goes West because Tiger the Cat is worshipped as a god. Okay. Huh. <laughs> oh, well then, yeah, why didn't I put in Return of the Jedi? Hey, you could have. You could have oh, made man. the shiny metal oh, guy a yeah. god. I went with Little G God. I love that movie. Anytime I can use it, I'm going to. If I could have found a way to make Stardust work, I would have, but I couldn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's one of those things. And obviously... If I was going to do a Star Trek one, because I usually try to do a Star Trek one in my top three, this would have been the movie to pick. So sure. obviously that doesn't work here. Andrew. Um, well, I also had Monty Python and Bruce Almighty, so I'm going to switch those off the list here. And I had uh, I had went with some specific gods. So I have Loki 
in mm-hmm. in all the four, Thor films. Um, I have God in Oh God, You Devil, which is an older movie mm-hmm. um, that uh, I somehow watched when I was really young and probably shouldn't have, uh, but I do remember that. And then number one, I have Gozer from Ghostbusters. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Time for this. Wait, what's supposed to happen? Actually, I lied. I, we did have one person to uh, respond to us on Twitter. Uh, our good friend Drew from Across the Stars podcast said, um, Avengers, Dogma, and Life of Brian. Those were mm-hmm. so Thank you for that. Well, Life of Brian. Those, those are good answers. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, those are good. And um, <laughs> Darren just from Nostalgia Cast just simply said, I love this poster. Of all the tracks, this one is the one that definitely did not need a seatbelt. <laughs> so, it really did. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just saw that poster. I found that poster and thought, that's hysterical. It's it's just but a, it's a great an excellent poster. poster. It's sad that it, it got like, used for this movie. Yeah. Well, and it like it evokes that the monster maroon uniform yeah. immediately, like by way of a frigging seatbelt. Like yeah. it's a brilliant piece of marketing. They should totally bring back. Yeah, it is. Should have saved and, it for undiscovered country. But it, it's also kind of weird because the armrest almost looked like little bitty arms, <laughs> and so it looks like there's like this disembodied head. You know, disembodied. Right. Disem- headed body floating in space decapitated is the word that's the word <laughs> I'm, I'm very tired all right uh, uh what are we doing now this is where we give our score from zero to ten and i will start this time with jesse wow i do not like to go first um <laughs> in the in the ratings thing but i i mean i don't know dude so like i'm i generally tend to rate on did i have a good time watching this movie over do i think this is necessarily objectively a good movie because i don't really feel comfortable making that call i don't have enough of a frame of reference to know like oh this is well made for like storytelling reasons or something right like i just can tell if i enjoyed myself or if i was like that sucked um so having said both of those things over the course of watching this movie (laughs) um i would say that it's i I fall back to it's still the kind of movie that i would rewatch. like i you know given a, a a small window to create my notes for this because of my own poor planning i still was like i want to do that like i would like to watch this movie and talk about it because i think it deserves to be done i think all Star Trek movies deserve to be watched. And I don't think for me, I don't think there's any Star Trek movie that falls below like a 6.8 except Nemesis, which is lower than that. But I'm going to give this like a six point. You know what? No, I'm going to give it a 6.9. All right. Right on. <laughs> Dude. Nice. Uh, I actually, it's episode 420. 420. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, which I think Andrew might be Andrew's score here. Andrew, what you got? Well, IMDb parks it at 5.5, I think, um, somewhere in there. I am not going to go that high. I just did <laughs> not have a good time with this. And any movie that I can fall asleep to the first, well, it's not the first time watching it, but second rewatch after a long time, I think has some issues. So um, I'm going to have to go about a 4.20, if that sounds okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, none of us nice. are surprised. Uh, Cameron. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, there's a lot to like about the movie. The opening is great. That's a great hook that you played at the beginning of this um, 
podcast. The the opening of this movie is really good. The relationship between the cast is really good. The 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 uh, cantina stuff I love. Um, and then it just all really deflates at the end. Um, you know, I mean, also it kind of suffers from the same problem. And this is going to be weird. I'm going to say the same problem as Raiders of the Lost Ark using that to say how bad this is. But the one problem Raiders has that people talk about is if you took the protagonist out, the events would have played out the same. And I feel like this kind of feels the same way. If you took the Enterprise out, I feel like Cybok would have gotten there, would have figured out God wasn't God. And like basically everything would have played out the same. It would have been so good if at that point, if like, uh, the God being had gotten onto the Klingon ship and was getting away. And then there were some real stakes and we find out some backstory on him. And Cybok actually has time to reckon with this like huge mistake and really kind of grapple with his philosophy on life crumbling before him. But none of that happened. We got the third act we got. So this is a 5.8 for the number of men on the lookout six for the level that they started at in the turbo shaft 5.86. Okay. I like that. Yeah, I do too. You're uh, you're right on. And right now, with our average, we're just above IMDb. We're 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 tracking right above that. Um, I guess so. When when I picked this movie many months ago, uh, you know, I I picked it because I knew that this conversation would be good. I knew that it, it's kind of a fun one to poke fun at. And again, mm-hmm. I also was hoping Sam would would be here to 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 just kind of make fun of this Trek movie because he likes to make fun of Trek. And to push my button. But I had a surprisingly good time with this. This this viewing. Again, I watched it with my son a few weeks ago. And he had a good time with it. And I'm really excited to get, to sit down and watch Undiscovered Country with him. And he and I, not, uh, what, last night? Night before? He was asking me about the music of Trek and, you know, why it's different. And I talked about, well, gosh, there's been, like, so many different composers. And that's also a tease because the last episode of this uh, month of Trek will be a uh, music, the music of Star Trek with uh, Eric going to come back on from Cinematic Sound Radio. We're very excited for that. Anyway, I am here to now give you a score of this movie. So I'm also going to go a little bit higher because I just, this isn't the worst. It's not, I don't know. I just, I think it's kind of fun. And to the point that the argument that we had on Twitter going a while ago, like three hours ago, is you know this or Rise of Skywalker? Rise of Skywalker is prettier because it you know it was made like disagree. Three, it was made a few years ago. I mean the the, the characters the, have arcs. The, disagree. <laughs> well, some characters have arcs, but you know the 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 opening sequence with the Falcon, you know, doing that light speed light speed skipping, whatever. It's pretty. It's dumb, <clears throat> but it's pretty. And and we got to say farewell to uh, Carrie Fisher in, in kind of a neat way. So. That that movie has some moments, but I, I don't. I actually would rather watch this. So, uh, I think to be to your point, Sean. I think this of the original cast movies. I think this is the most Star Wars Star Trek that there is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they had the cantina. There's a shootout. There's a lot of lasers going on. Yeah. Right. There's lots of aliens and monsters and stuff. Like, it's pretty Star Warsy. It really is. It it, it is in. That's why it's one of the worst. Yeah. There's, uh, he's, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it a 6.5. I mean, I, I had a good time. Did you it. and you walked right into that trap, Sean? No, I'm fine. But like, <laughs> I don't, this, I don't hate this movie. I actually, I think I like it more than I thought that I did. 
So, but you know, it's a six and a half. I mean, like it's next two thirds of a really fun movie. Well, I'm yeah. well, you're right. I mean, and if you if you were to look at my if I were to score out the rest of them, I mean, I think I probably gave Wrath of Khan like a nine point eight or something like that. You know, like so six point five is kind of low in in that regard. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have run out of things to say, so I will let now Jesse or Cameron tell us my and my listeners where they can oh, find oh. your. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but one more thing. I've been staring at Jesse's shirt for the entire podcast. As you should. And I'm thinking if this whole if this whole podcasting thing doesn't work out for you guys, then you should start your very own disco trek. And I think we're going to. And just play trek music, but like uh, trap style. And just lights flashing, lots of fog. I like a little it. bit of liquor. I, I think you'll have a hop in place. Low sticks. There better be some seriously good music edited behind all that, Sean, when this episode comes <laughs> out. Like, I want to have my headphones on like, oh, yes. This is, <laughs> I see what Andrew was talking about. You could uh, just to, do uh, Information Society's I Want to Know, which uses sound clips from Star Trek. See? And I want to know where to find that. I mean, I guess to find that online. But uh, to for those of you who can't see my face right now i am wearing my uh disco shirt like as they wear on the bridge or you know doing the pt on uh star trek discovery with my star trek discovery command badge so yes it's true we're going to start the open pike night disco trek i really like that i i i prefer a uh a nice pun as you may have noticed andrew well done yes that was very very well crafted and if you want to find where that could be, we would be at Open Pike on Twitter. You can find all of Jesse's great posts and polls and uh, and and Trek baiting and Star Wars hating and all the great content you would come to Open Pike Night for, as well as information on all our shows with all our great upcoming guests. Uh, you can also find me at Greenshirt87 is the Twitter account for my Star Trek podcast, Greenshirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation, because I am just now getting around to watching the next generation. Uh, we're starting season six, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Come join us. And I forgive Cameron for forgetting this because it is still brand new news, even to us. But you can now just go to openpike.com to get everything that there is to know about open pike night you can get signed up for the newsletter you can watch the youtube versions of our episodes which just have captions it's not video uh you can listen to our episodes you can do literally anything including record your own voicemail and this month all of november from november 1st through november 30th we are having hashtag where november has gone before and if you go to openpike.com and record a voice message you can be entered to win a Hallmark keepsake, Strange New Worlds Enterprise light-up ornament. This is a $33 value, supposedly, but like if you've ever tried to buy a keepsake ornament, you know that it can be very difficult to do. So we are giving them away almost literally for a song. We just need you to record a voice message at openpike.com to help us celebrate hashtag where November has gone before. Very cool. Thank you guys so much for that. And thank you guys for coming back on the show. Thank you, Sean. Yes, there was some you. sorcery, not a lot of swords, but you know, one, yeah. one out of four ain't bad. I was, I was actually really hoping that there would be somebody wielding some kind of melee weapon so we can not kind even of count soon. this. But yeah, you not even talk about waving the magic wand. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, there was a little bit of organized crime. That's sort of like the last time that I was here. Oh, wait, no. The first time I was here was organized crime. Yeah. So we'll get you back on for a good old, you know, Lady Hawk or something crazy like that. Awesome. In the meantime, go to our website, cheapseatreviews.libson.com. You can find links to all of our social medias, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. There I post stuff most of the time. Also, check out old episodes. Be like some of our cool listeners who are going back and listening to our entire backlog. That's right. We have listeners that are going back through all 400 plus episodes and listening. And uh, about once a week, I get an update on, oh, hey, I just got to this episode. And that was really funny. So be like them and do that. Next week, we are revisited by our good friend, Stephen Everett. That's right. Steve Everett is going to come back and join us. Uh, he and I used to watch Star Trek marathons all the time. We would sit down and watch one through whatever was available at the time. Uh, the last time we did it, the the ninth movie had just come out. Insurrection had just come out on VHS. And so we watched one through nine in one sitting. My gosh, we were crazy. We were also a lot younger. So Steve Everett's coming back on next week to join us for Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. I know it seems weird that we're going out of order. But I let the guests choose which movie they pick, and that's just the way it is. So, on behalf of Jesse and Cameron and Andrew... And let S- me real quick also shout out. Yes. You know that the new Willow series is coming out at the end of this month, November 30th. So if you want to rewatch Willow and then listen to Sean and I <laughs> and Andrew and Sam talk about it, nice. tune in to the Cheap Seat Reviews Willow episode. There you go. And go listen to the... Um... God, Jesse, what was your episode? <laughs> you just talked about Owen. Oh, <laughs> And don't forget to go listen to my most recent appearance on Cheap Seat in which everyone is wrong about The Princess Bride except for Princess me. Princess Bride, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of what movie it was. Princess Bride and the other one. Uh, we also did Road to Perdition. Road together. to Perdition. Man, I need to go to bed. Guys, this has been great. Right. So I'm, I'm, as soon as I hit, hit stop, I'm going to sleep. So on behalf of Andrew, Sam, Jesse, and Cameron, this is Sean saying thank you all so much for listening. And we'll see you next week for the search for Spock. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. Good night, Sean. Good night, Jesse. <laughs> Good, Good night, night Cameron. Good night. Good night, Gollum poster behind Cameron. I Because they did that in the movie, guys, at the yeah. campsite. Yeah. I know, I'm with you. Good night, Spock. I said it to Jesse earlier and I didn't know what I was talking about. That was another question I had about the movie. What is he at the end of that? I was waiting on you to play that clip, too. That's why I didn't ask. Uh, (laughs) Why does he say, I don't know? Or or he like, uh, what does he say? Kirk says, like, I don't know or I don't understand or something like. Oh, Spock's asking him something. Is this about row, row, row your boat still? Maybe. He's like, go to sleep, Spock. I couldn't figure out why. I couldn't figure out why he was saying that. And I was like, I couldn't figure out why Kirk and McCoy couldn't hold their liquor. Like they had two sips of whiskey (laughs) and were blitzed. But there was whiskey in the beans. It's the secret ingredient. (laughs) They had one bite of beans. (laughs) Which, okay, like men at their age need to have more food than just a kettle of beans. (laughs) Just saying. Well, they did bring like six bottles of water each. So at least they did that. At least they had. Also, it's uh, uh, future beans. So it's fine. Future beans. Like it's not a space beans. Not a big deal. Yeah, it's not a big deal.